0: The finale of this season of The Tar Pit on Rob as a Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at BetterHelp Online Counseling. If you think you may be depressed or feeling overwhelmed or anxious, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help with all sorts of issues, including anxiety, grief, and depression. And of course, uh, this time of year is a uh, very painful part of the year for uh, many people. Things like relationship conflicts, uh, family conflicts also uh, tend to sprout out at this time of year anger trauma you name it BetterHelp online counseling is waiting to help simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched up with a counselor in under 48 hours easily schedule secure video or phone sessions plus exchange unlimited messages to communicate with your therapist at your convenience everything you share is confidential, and if for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. Join the 1 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code RHAP. Get started today at slash RHAP. That's slash RHAP. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Rob Sisterino back again for the Tar Pit season finale. And we have a real treat for you here today. First, let's uh, bring in uh, the panel, of course, uh, with us as always. Our chief Amazing Race correspondent is back with us, uh, Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Rob. Very, very excited for our final tar pit before we sink into the Yadis.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that You can sink into a tar pit. I don't know if it's as... Uh, you could sink as much as quicksand, but we could debate that another time. Of course, <laughs> back with us, uh, the great Mr. Mike Bloom. Hello,
2: happy to be back. In honor of the holiday spirit and the final leg, I went back over the weekend and watched my favorite New Orleans holiday film, Jingle All Beignet. And it was really dry and tough to get down.
0: Wow. How long
2: have you been
1: sitting on that one, Mike? Uh, About two hours.
0: (laughs) Okay. And what a treat we have for you a bigger treat than a beignet. It is uh, the champions of the Amazing Race 32 with us to talk about their amazing run and proposal. Here are Will and James. Hello, hey. not to be confused with the stars
3: of Jingle All Yeah. You
0: know. <laughs> yes. Oh I my definitely God! Definitely not get cast for that. Will, Will and James, <laughs> congratulations again. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank
2: you. And I know that. So you guys, at the time we're talking about this, you just came back from a trip to New Orleans where you actually spent on the, I guess, two plus year anniversary. But to commemorate the the filming of the finale, your, your million dollar journey, you end up going back to the place where it all ended, I suppose.
3: Yeah, it was very bittersweet. It was just an easy place for us to meet our parents, to watch it oh yeah the big easy i mean it's a bummer because i think two years ago when we talked as a cast that was the plan we were all going to go back to new orleans for a big finale bash and unfortunately with the you know current state of the world it was not able to happen so it's just us with our parents which is really nice
4: yeah and then we took them to all the different stops that we went on on the leg so they had a they had a good, good
2: big time. kick out of it <laughs> did, did you go to like that weird ass warehouse again of all the parade floats and to check it yeah. out
3: yeah, yeah. mardi gras world we took a tour we took a tour not this trip that was last year but yeah, yeah. mardi gras world is pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah okay
4: that's like
1: a real tourist attraction right oh yeah,
4: yeah. oh yeah that you get free king cake you watch a movie and then you walk around you and watch beads. them <laughs> yeah watch a movie that sounds boring
0: It's like a 20 minute video of like 20 minutes.
3: But it is fascinating to hear the history of Mardi Gras for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Of course that in addition to this uh, whirlwind week that you have going on you two are also going to be part of a big Amazing Race reunion uh, this weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, we just thought it would be really fun since we weren't able to reunite as a cast for the finale to do it virtually and share our thoughts and our experiences from being on the amazing race and it's just going to be a grand all time. A lot of yeah. shenanigans I'm predicting with this group.
4: Yeah. The whole cast will be there. So it'll be fun to chat about the whole season.
3: Mm-hmm. Who
4: do you, who do you predict is going to have like the worst,
2: like technical difficulties or like the cameras, like focused up on the ceiling instead of them in the zoom call.
3: Honestly, probably Haley and Kalen. And I mean that in the most loving way. But every time we have done like mini cast Zooms, it's always like, is this working? Can you hear our audio? Hello? And then it'll be up on the ceiling or they'll have a side conversation and they're not muted. It's hilarious. We love those girls.
1: But at least you've had a couple of trial runs before you have the whole cast on a thing. True. Yes, yeah.
0: very true. All right. That's going to be Sunday Night Live, which I think is going to be after we're done uh, recording this podcast here this afternoon. But you can check that out in the archives on Will and James' YouTube channel. It should be uh, a lot of fun. So uh, what have the last few days been like now that everybody has known now that you are the winners after keeping this a secret for... uh, What did you say the other day, Will? 750 days?
4: It's been. I mean, now it's like seven hundred fifty, but it's been a huge like weight lifted off our shoulders. I think for two years we've had this bottled up inside and not been able to talk about it except with each other, and that's kind of gotten really boring to talk about the same thing. <laughs> over our, and over. our stories
3: will start to change, and I'll be like, "Wait, I don't remember it." Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. So it's been a huge weight, and it's just been really exciting. We've had like fun conversations, reliving it with our families, and we've gotten a lot of really great messages from family and friends, and. Fans of the show just, you know, being excited and then um, it's been really fun. Yeah. Well, so from
2: that perspective, I'm always intrigued to ask reality TV contestants like Hung and Chief, for instance, did not tell their kids how they did. How much did you let the information out as to how everything went down?
3: We were very tight lipped. We didn't say anything. And I think that's because especially with my parents in particular, we grew up watching the show together. So I knew it would be more exciting for them to like live through my experience to ultimately find out about the big win. So,
4: yeah. And I told my parents when I was on Top Model how I did. And then this time I was like, I don't want to tell them like anything this time. So I didn't tell anybody anything. So what?
2: Then what was the story with the engagement? Then you come back with like a ring on your Wait, finger. You're so like,
3: when, when it happened? comes to the engagement, though, they knew that it was going to happen. They, I'll, I'll let you explain. Yeah, that.
4: yeah. Both of our families knew that it was going to happen on the race. I had talked to both sides beforehand and said this: when we come back, we will be engaged if he says yes. Um, and so they had this idea that it did happen on the race, but we never said when or where. We just—they just knew that that's where it was.
3: And I had no idea any of those conversations were taking place. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) why would you like well of course not but i mean like that's why it was so fun
1: well james i have to know how much of a surprise was it then to to see the ring like you had to know like you guys have been together for a long time you had to know it was coming right
3: so, you know, over the summer before we even left for the race, before it was even an opportunity, we had talked a lot about getting engaged. We looked at rings together. And then when we got the phone call that we were going to be on season 32, that conversation kind of, you know, went on the back burner and all of our time and focus went into preparing for the race. And then we leave, we pack together. I know everything in a suitcase because, you know, we coordinated outfits. We were obnoxiously wearing purple every freaking episode. And... Um, there was one time in Paris when we were at the pit stop and Phil had kept mentioning the city of love. And I kept thinking to myself, why are you bringing this up?
2: I mean, and knowing said, that I'm, considering the secret scenes we've watched of Phil's Matt chats, that does feel like it makes a lot of sense of him being like, so you're in the city of love. Uh, was
3: like, like, after the rough day we had and he knew we had like stiff, stick shift drama at the airport. And then all of a sudden it switched to the city of love. And I was like, that was the only time I like removed myself from the race for a minute and was like, "Why is he saying this?" Yeah. But
4: then when <laughs> we Phil left, knew it, I... Phil was in on it. He did know. Yeah, all the production knew. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, the cast did not know. Nobody on the cast knew, and they were all surprised at the end too. Yep. And then I didn't think about
3: it until obviously it happened.
2: Well, that's, that's interesting too. Cause like of all the moments, you know, I can imagine for that type of thing, usually you would want like all the camera people to crowd around you to get the reaction. But I'm sure in that moment, you're just like, Oh, it's because we won the amazing race. They want to get our thoughts. We're on TV instead of like, Oh, something's about to happen that I'm not realizing.
4: But in, then Phil set it up so perfectly, his segue into like going into the proposal was like, oh, thank you, Phil. This was perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even have to try very well. <laughs> <He's a
1: pro. laughs> well, he was, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he, had, he also had a trial run in Paris. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, well, that didn't work. I better try again. He tested the waters in Paris for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: so so we have to know about your preparation because we saw like a slice a king cake slice with the button balancing the bottles on your head but like what what was the the exact preparation like how many seasons what other specific tasks etc
4: to be honest we the second that we got the calls when we went into hyperdrive we were both working full-time jobs and so the second we would get home we would run we would watch at least like four or five episodes a night. We would then practice languages. We would do any challenges that were on the episodes that we had at home. Um, or we would talk through everything that was going on. That was like the five week period. But even before that, because our finals were in April of 2018. So we had like a very long period of time and we had started watching. I want to say we went backwards in seasons from 28 and backwards. Um and just watched so much cuz at that time 31 wasn't even out so we had no idea about the reality clash and how that went. Um so we watched from 28 and back. What else did we
3: do? I mean, that was literally our lives for 5 weeks once we got the phone call. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So what other things did you practice other than the bottle dance?
2: Yeah, any other challenges come to mind of of big ones you practiced?
1: Um
4: Nothing big comes to mind because Especially the bottle dance was. So <laughs> it was the night before we left. Yeah, we were packing and we were watching uh, season twenty, having some wine, like celebrating that we were about to leave. I had to watch Rachel Riley to get me in the mood. So, <laughs> and, uh, and we were watching Paraguay, and we we're like, "Oh, we're having
3: wine. Let's just do it." So we did it, and I, our roommate walked in. and He was like, "What the hell so are you he doing?" So He's filming, filming us, us while doing we're doing it.
4: it. Um yeah and so we did it for like an hour we learned the dance they knew so when we got to the challenge in Paraguay we already kind of
3: knew the routine because it was the exact same yeah it's Mm. true we we didn't think we had to get back up in that moment and like the first time we did the attempt of the bottle dance we just stayed at the bottom and like knocked it off and we thought we got it and they said no you have to get back up and And that was a change from season season 20 20 is you just had to get down and hold the pose
1: Yeah. so they told you what you had done wrong
4: yeah Well, you had like a teacher. She was with you the whole time and she just would be like, this is what we need to work on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, how does that get uh, across to the production? Do you tell them like, oh, my God, we've been practicing this and and we have video? Like, how, how does that get in the show? And you're like, oh, send that to us and we'll use it. Put it in. We'll put it in the show.
4: I think we made a fool of ourselves after we read the clue of like, oh,
3: my God, we practiced this. We talked about the taxi ride the whole way. And it
4: became part of every single interview regarding Paraguay. And then I think I want to say a month after we were back, they're like, hey, you said you had footage. Do you have that still? And we were like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> so we sent that to them after the thing, but it was all recorded
3: before we left.
1: So you didn't just send it to them unsolicited. Mm-hmm. No. So that would that would be even better. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that
3: would have been funny. Like here you go for future use. Just mm-hmm. so you have it.
0: Yeah. So but it does right. in, in the context of like the storyline of uh, you two being the super fans who really like uh, in some ways, you know, hacked the show that, you know, it it, it, was, it was important. Like if if, the, if you guys end up finishing third on the show, like uh, it's less important that we see like just the level of preparation that went into this uh, preparation for the race. Yeah, I would, I would agree. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I mean, to that point, uh, you know, speaking of the reality clash of it all, you two obviously had had experience on reality TV before this. You were sort of like the reality clash people. Did do you, did you notice, especially compared to like your other cast members, almost like an easiness from your perspective in front of the camera and dealing with the camera person, the sound person, as opposed to like maybe your Nathan and Cody's who obviously have not had as much experience doing that?
4: I would say that lasted. That advantage lasted maybe one day. I think teams really got used to the cameras yeah. in their face very quickly. I think for us, it was like immediate. We saw the cameras and we're like, "Oh, just
3: ignore them. They're there." But I still think it's a learning curve because, like, even though we're a team of two, you have a camera guy and like your audio guy with you too. So it's just one of those things where you still have to get used to like running a race, not just the two of you.
4: Oh yeah, being aware of where they are and and all that. Yeah, too. like on top model like we sat in the house and they would film us with like a nest camera in the corner. Like it was, like, like it was not as ex- like ex- extenuating circumstances as the race. They
1: just sort of watched everything. And yes. this was, but I know that
4: your,
2: your cast to like even talking about the event is so close. And I've heard word about like, even from that first day in the LA airport, like, is there something in particular about that? Because I do think, you know, Speaking of season twenty, as an example, there are certainly seasons of The Amazing Race where things like U turns and yields make things very contentious. What do you think it is about, like your particular class, cast, where even maybe in like objective circumstances where it was very much an us versus them thing at point, you you still all were able to like let bygones be bygones two years later?
3: Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know exactly what it could have been. I just know when we were all at the starting line and we were all like staring each other down and smiling, like you could just tell it was a. Fun, exciting, like competitive group who were all really happy to be there. And then because we couldn't talk until we finally got to the airport, it was just like word vomit. Everyone wanted to just keep talking, get to know each other, and find out where everyone was from, what their backstories were. So I think because we all took the initiative to sit together, like no one ran off to do their own thing once we got to the airport, it was like one giant circle Uh, I mean we uh, did I mean we did after everyone (laughs) fell asleep but I mean it was just one of those things where we all just hit it off and it was just so easy it was so it was so bizarre the moment I knew this
4: cast was close was on the airplane from LAX to Trinidad where like you and Madison (laughs) and a couple other people were talking to a flight attendant getting snacks you all got free (laughs) snacks and free sandwiches And you pass them out to everybody. Everybody, yeah. Sharing like from the moment we met. So it was like, oh,
3: we're all friends
4: already. Okay, great. (laughs) Yep. So even from the first instance, this season was
2: about giving things away to other people. (laughs)
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I don't know what it was. The camaraderie was just there. And yeah. But when it was race mode, it was race mode. So it was just really funny to see how that balanced out
0: going back to the start of the race that do you know that like there's really nothing going on race wise in that for like because the way the the show starts it's like you guys are at the Hollywood Bowl and then you opening credits and then you're in Trinidad and Tobago and do you do you know like is it sort of like really relaxed in that like okay this isn't part of the like getting to LAX is not part of the race like is it sort of like uh, downtime as opposed to like when you know all right the game has actually Actually begun
4: it felt a lot like quarantine <laughs> before getting to the Hollywood Bowl and I remember driving in the vans going to the Hollywood Bowl where none of us knew where we were going we passed by like our apartment area and we were like oh where are we going this is like weird we drove up to the Hollywood Bowl and we still hadn't talked to anybody but we had all been like looking at each other but then the second that we got on stage I think everybody was like oh This is really, this is happening happening now. Like, this is actually going because we had four or five days of nothing um, and just staring at each other.
1: (laughs) So, one of the things I'm always really curious about is uh, that kind of liminal period before you are officially on the show. And I've heard at least a lot of survivors will spot other people from casting who end up on their season. And I wonder if you saw anybody before you were actually like in the race or even in the van on the way to the Hollywood bowl. And what were some of your first impressions of the people before you were, before you knew anything about them, except that they were on the show with you?
3: Yeah. I mean, like you definitely see everyone throughout the, the, the days leading up to the starting line. So we would like go back and like take notes on everyone and like, you know, have <laughs> nicknames for all the teams, but I I don't know. I I just like some, like the energy I think everyone gave off was that they were competitive as heck. Like you just knew that everyone was there to like race hard and have fun. And it was just, it got us excited, if anything. There's like, we, at first we thought Ishwar and Aparna were like
4: either dating because they kind of bickered a little bit. And they were like, (laughs) after like an hour of just watching them, like, oh, that's brother, sister. That's like definitely brother, sister. We thought Haley and Kaylin were We're
3: twins. twins. Michelle and Victoria sat in front of us, and they, and they would like, whisper in Vietnamese, and we were "The like, whole time, they are <laughs> fluent in Vietnamese. That's like they have." That kind of advantage going in. And then Leo would ask so many questions. Yep. And so everybody <laughs> was like, oh, he's he's real smart, but he also asked really good questions. But I got it, like I understood him because I was always afraid to ask the questions that he would ask. So yeah. I'm like, thank God somebody yeah. would ask And to Was get that a one of the reasons track.
0: where it, you know early on where you two felt like, hey, uh, you know, th- that's a team that we really want to make sure that if if we can, uh, we want to try to, you know, hold them back. Was that were those the types of things that that made them a threat in your mind?
3: Well, I actually think it was the first night when we were in LAX and Leo or Alana, I forget which one, asked. Who watches the show? Like who's a fan? And everyone kind of either kept their cards close, or some people were like, "I've seen a few seasons." And Will and I knew going in, we did not want people to know like how much we knew about the show, so we said, "Yeah, we've seen a few seasons," just to prepare for us leaving. And Leo and Alana kind of did something similarly. And then um, when we were in Trinidad and Tobago, Leo and Alana were on that second flight to, to Tobago, and it came to our knowledge through Leo, I think he was just kind of like excited to share openly like what his thought process was. He said, yeah, like I I talked to all the teams in that second flight and said, let's work together if we can on this leg to help each other get ahead of the first flight teams and get one of them eliminated. Now, when you hear that, it wasn't necessarily possible because there weren't tasks on that first leg that I think that they could easily help each other. But when you hear that and then you see Nathan and Cody who were on the first flight with us being eliminated, perception was reality and you're like, what happened during this leg that may or may not have led to Nathan and Cody ultimately being eliminated? Sure. So then going into Bogota and then once again seeing Leo and Alana helping Haley and Kaylin in in the truck challenge to knock out a strong team, Leo told us that on a flight to to Manaus. And so hearing all these things, not only that, he's spitting out race statistics like they're sitting behind us on the flight to Brazil and we're like, oh my god, they're so smart. They know everything we know. It got scary because they were there to play the similar race that we wanted to play.
4: Yeah, we were telling the flight attendant keep giving them wine. We want to know <laughs>
3: About
4: about this,
2: how how much did you guys keep up that guise of like, oh, we've only watched a couple of seasons, we're not really big fans? Because, like Rob said, it became such a part of your narrative to us. But how much did other people catch on
4: to that? It's funny because after the Philippines, we sat in a van with Madison and Riley and Hung and Chi, and we were like, who Who has has secrets? secrets? (laughs) And our secret was like, we're massive super fans of the show. And I think we did a really good job of downplaying it the entire time. Um, Granted, I think we had led on a little bit more to Hung and Chi and Madison and Riley, but we did a really good job from my perspective of not letting people see us as like these major super fans of the show.
1: Yep. And so apart from Leo and Alana, could you tell who was a super fan of the show and who had seen one or two seasons? I think Aparna
3: was another person. She I was kind pretty of, vocal, though. Yeah. Um, she loved the show. But like when you hear people spitting out statistics and names <laughs> of teams and situations that and happened challenges. on seasons like years ago, you're kind of like, okay, you know a lot more than, <laughs> than you're
4: Yeah. On. And I think Hung and Chi, we assumed that they were super fans just by how well they worked together and how well they talked through stuff yeah um but they never really like vocalized that they were super fans we didn't mm-hmm. learn till after that their t- kids run around the house playing amazing race mm-hmm.
0: so, <laughs> did you hear about the google doc
3: oh <laughs> yeah. yes and leo and alana also had a google
4: doc they both they both did yeah that wow. it it like, so makes sense yeah
2: <laughs> at, at the starting line you know we got a few conversations of phil being like gary and d'angelo you look very strong Leon and alana you're very smart did did he go down the line with everybody? And if not, like did anything catch your brain as two strategically minded people of like, oh, he pointed out these specific people. These might be
3: individuals we need to look out for? Honestly, no. The only team that we were like kind of worried about at first was Hung and Chi because they had one backpack. And I, I, there's like a bonus clip of us on YouTube where we're in the car, being like, "Did you see? They only packed one backpack. They came prepared. They did their homework, and they didn't really talk much at the starting line." So for us, it was like, "Ooh, they might be silent but deadly," you know. I asked, yeah, at, even at the starting
4: line, though, all eleven teams, there was a lot of back and forth between everybody. It was a very yeah. long, like, process of going through each team and asking questions. Um, I honestly. Remember thinking that the people who had like muscles and were like strong, like Gary and D'Angelo, didn't feel as like threatening to us. It was the people who watched the show or had like the the brain part of it yeah. to manipulate the whole game. Those were the biggest threats to us. So that included Leo and Alana um, and Hung and Chi. Because I mean. They're, and Michelle they're Victoria. And Michelle they're Victoria.
3: so smart. We were intimidated, not
4: intimidated, but we knew that they were going to be very, very good. Yep. But not with directions.
2: <laughs> what do you think? Because obviously, again, I'm assuming in preparation for this, you guys watched like all those videos, previous racers do, of, like what to pack for the amazing race. What's one thing that you regret either taking with you or not taking with you that bore fruit on the
4: race? We should have only brought one pair of shoes. Yep. Um, we had two pair, but we wore one of them only twice and that was at the starting, starting line and the, lot, finish, the line.
0: finish line. I yep. What types um, of shoes say, that you brought?
4: The, we brought like hiking waterproof shoes that are like sturdy and they're very comfortable. Yeah. We ended up wearing those the entire time because we were in a lot of very weird mm-hmm. terrain. We were in mud, we were in snow, we were mm-hmm. in cities and so it just made sense to always have more those support on. and then the other ones were like
3: just regular running shoes. Very light very like so perfect for you know the starting line and the finish line, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would say just one backpack next time, which yeah. I know uh talking to previous racers who end up going back, that's kind of what they ultimately end up doing anyway. You also like you have all this stuff like, oh, I'm going to need a new outfit every day. And then
4: after a while, you're like, like why? We started throwing stuff away, being like, I, you know, I really don't need half this stuff. <laughs> I don't need five pairs of underwear. I'm just washing everything every day.
1: Mm-hmm. I was, I'm always curious about the laundry situation because I know like you get into the hotel and you immediately like wash all your stuff in the sink and hang it up. Like, do, you have, do you bring the laundry soap with you? You know, I brought
4: a little like shampoo um, container full of laundry detergent. Mm. And I did all the laundry, and James would take notes in the notebook.
3: So we had like our system where I would do the laundry. And then we would rotate blow drying our clothes. Yes. <laughs> but Michelle and Victoria brought a portable washer machine. What? And- <laughs> Unreal! I didn't even know it was a thing. And then they were like, one time they were like, "Do you guys want to borrow it?" And we were like, "You're kidding me! Like you actually brought one? <laughs> like it was just they were
0: really prepared." It was like <laughs> a portable washing people. machine.
3: It
4: like you put everything in a bag, you fill it with water and soap, and then you, but just then you can just do this. Oh, I was thinking of something yeah. out of
3: like The Jetsons, like where like you press it and machine. Machine. Oh no! Yeah. It was like this, like sack, like what, what, oh, like the back seal bag. It kind of looked like that, but yeah. you just fill it with water. Yeah, but you so know like how you to yeah.
1: yeah. It seems like you could do the same thing with like a gallon freezer bag. Yeah. Let's <laughs> actually really tell you about all this stuff ahead of
0: time of like hey just so you know that uh we recommend that at nighttime you wash all your clothes in the sink the thing you know you're going <laughs> to want to think this through or is this just stuff that if you are just a novice coming in you sort of like realize like the first night that you're in the hotel room
3: I think that's one thing I love about the show in general is that it really is like you're traveling, you're not going to get any extra tips on what to pack, like you need to do the research, like you need to figure out like, what time of year it is like we were in November. So we assumed more than likely, we would end up in a place that was snowy. So it's really up to you mm-hmm. to kind of put that work in and then kind of know what to pack. And then in your downtime, what you do with it, whether that's doing laundry, taking notes. But
4: you're also allowed to use hotel laundry. And so that just comes out of your money. And you can do it. But you run the risk of being like, Oh, now I don't have enough money for a cab. Or now I don't have money for a snack at the airport. Mm -hmm. So we never did it with the hotel. We would always just do it in the bathtub or the sink. But you
3: are allowed to use the hotel laundry. You get used to it after a while though. I feel like Mm -hmm. moving forward Mm -hmm. on future trips, it's it's so easy to do (laughs) on your own. Yeah, well, that's something... You just don't want to do it anymore.
1: (laughs) You bring up something that I'm curious about because the race, they never talk about it on the air anymore where it was a big part of the early seasons. And that's the money. Like, is there ever, was there ever a point where they didn't, you felt like they didn't give you enough money or you thought you were in danger of running out of money? Never that. But I know some teams did run into
3: not budgeting their money. Like, like they weren't really aware of how they were spending their money. Like very early on, like Haley and Kaylin, I know when we were on the way to Trinidad, and Tobago, bought food, and they were like, "We just got spaghetti for forty dollars," and like that cut their their money down pretty quickly Whoa. on the tag. Yeah, but they're so cute and they're so charming that I'm pretty sure they got the cab yeah. for free at one. Every point. Every cab, for yeah. Free. yeah. They got Wolfgang
0: Puck for forty dollars. <laughs> <spaghetti? laughs> yeah. I think it was, wasn't it? Wait, was it Wolfgang Puck? It was it's something like. like that. <laughs>
2: comes around those damn amazing
3: racers <laughs> it was unreal and then there was another point too where i think um i think hung and she ended up like giving all of their money to a cab driver by accident and because another cab came up quickly thereafter they were able to have that cab call a cab back as in
4: zero dollars yeah. they gave all of their money and then all of us were like oh we only gave him like 50 bucks and they, and they had like, given oh, their no. taxi driver like 200 dollars mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing that was hard is when we went to Trinidad and Tobago, you exchanged your money and it's, it's not a very common currency. The and so this, That's And so when t-t-s. you <laughs> left Trinidad and Tobago, if you didn't exchange your money in country, that money became obsolete. And so people walked away with like 40 to $50 worth of Trinidad and Tobago money souvenir. that they could never use for the rest of the race. And yeah. so... That really screwed some teams because they didn't have a lot of money. I think Gary and D'Angelo were a team that started to run low um, closer to the end of the race. Are you allowed
0: to take the money with you to the next leg? Yes. Yes. Got oh, a budget. Thank you. Got but a if, budget. But if
2: they're yeah. TTs, you're out of luck. The TTs. TTs.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I get Trinidad and Tobago.
2: But you, yeah. you, you spoke about filming in November, and one of the things I noticed about your season, even more than a lot of recent seasons, is the different climates that you spent the first what quarter in hot, tropical South America, and then you went to like cold Europe and Kazakhstan. Which one did you enjoy racing in more, considering just how different they
4: were? Hot.
3: Yeah, I would say hot, too. The, the
4: cold is very challenging to be like sweaty and exhausted in because it feels like you can't breathe. Um, but the hot, like. I don't know. It was a little easier to manage. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You
1: know, there's that whole layering thing where if you got a coat on and you're running, you get warm and then you take the coat off and then you're cold and it's like a
3: cold sweat. It's yeah. like you're hot but you're cold because the water the sweat just gets freezing. Like when we were in Kazakhstan, you had to keep taking your shoes off to enter the yurt and our soak our socks got soaked. So like for the last half of the leg, like you could barely feel your feet. It was I would rather run in the hot. Was that cold the worst energy.
0: part of the whole race? The going through Kazakhstan because uh, th- that looks so miserable to me.
4: The cold, yeah, I hate yeah. cold weather. I'm was, from Texas, and so like I don't see snow ever. But it was—I want to say it was like 17 degrees. It was very cold. You had to take off your shoes, and you didn't have gloves. I lost my gloves in Berlin, and so it was just constant like being frozen.
2: Yeah, and like every and everything was outdoors too. Like the meat market I think was the only thing you guys did indoors that leg. so I can imagine you're not even like sh- sheltering yourself from the elements at all either. Yeah. And
1: the meat market was probably not warm. No. no. <laughs> yeah. I was like let me hold on to that
0: lamb's head for a little bit just so I can you know. I I
1: feel like I even made a comment
3: to and I was like oh it's so warm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that would be me <laughs>
3: well in
2: general on that note you know again you guys had such like i think reverence at least from what we saw from, like the race you ran but was there like a cumulative least enjoyable leg from it pers- from your perspective was it kazakhstan was it paris i know that you guys had had a lot of trouble in paris too city of
3: love i think it kind of depends but i i feel like i know what mine was Go ahead. Paris. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> y'all i was oh because of did- the car Yes, there was so much that happened that day that was just very like, I was so tired because I didn't sleep on the flight before. Like we had a
3: 14 hour flight. Yeah,
4: I had been up for about 24 hours at that point when we got into the car. And so getting into the car, it was just like, it was like one thing after another. And granted, we did well at all of the challenges that we were at. And that was, you know, that was fine. But it was the transportation back and forth from all these different places that just, it made us so stressed out. And when I parked that car for the final time and got out of it, it was the best feeling. Oh my God. I was, I didn't think I like breathed for
3: the entire leg. It was just not an enjoyable which is interesting because, like, the perception too, and I get it, is that Will didn't know how to drive stick shift. Like, that was kind of what the topic of conversation was. But when you factor in that, like, he didn't sleep for twenty four hours, and like, it's a vehicle we didn't train on. Like, there's so many things that went into that. That starting off the leg with stick shift and then not going the way we wanted it to, just made it a long day for the both of us. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I have to imagine like if something goes wrong at the top of the leg, it's just kind of feels like it cascades from there.
3: It sets the tone for the rest of the day.
4: (laughs) I think especially because we had to get back into the car in Paris. Like when we parked at the museum or the chateau, that was fine. And then being like, oh, you got to drive back to Paris. And it was like an hour drive. I'm driving through
3: Paris. uh, uh, Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Was there one leg when you felt like that you were the closest to potentially uh, that this was going to be the end of your race?
3: I would say Paris you you because of the stick shift thing you automatically go into panic of mm-hmm. this could do this could do us out like if we don't figure out this problem like then we are absolutely going to get eliminated um but I don't think any other leg after that or before that I thought no, that
4: No Paris was because we could you'd never saw anybody after the pies right. so once we left the pies we drove an hour to Paris for us it took probably an hour and a half almost 2 hours to get to the museum
3: or the carnival games. We ended up going through Paris and you're supposed to take one of the major highways around yeah. the city. And we on the way out of the Paris airport on a kiosk by the doors, I grabbed a map <laughs> from like a pamphlet, like a tourist map from one of those little stands. And I thought I was like, this is going to do us such a good job today, but it turned out to be a Metro map. So driving through a city with a Metro map was not ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we figured it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was the only
4: time that we didn't know what place we were in. We assumed like five or six when we checked in. But four was
3: four was fine. To know we were still in the top four being on the first flight was kind of like, okay, fine (laughs) with me.
1: So conversely, was there a point where you realized like prior to the final leg, was there a point where you realized we could win this whole thing?
4: Probably Kazakhstan because we just ended that leg on a massive high. Mm -hmm. We felt super good when we checked in at Kazakhstan because we had a really great day. Um, We didn't argue at all. We enjoyed everything that we did. And then going into India with the mega leg, we felt really confident. Um, And even in India, like we did real well besides the iPad challenge. Um, And it didn't feel as like we could win. It was just like, we, I think we can make the final three. Yeah.
2: So let's talk alliances for a second, because I know that it's, it's been discussed a lot. It's like the Gary and D'Angelo at all of like, you don't see everything in terms of like the, the statements about Gary and D'Angelo are, you know, uh, all take and no give. I would love to hear from from your perspective as to like, was there a specific point in time when that attitude started to come about? Do you have some more examples maybe of like the way they were coming across that made the rest of you feel like the, these guys are not necessarily with us in the long haul? Um,
4: honestly, Berlin was the shifting kind point of a turning for point. everybody. I think Gary and D'Angelo, they are fun and they're great. But I think a lot of us were more excited to be there than they might have been for like the whole experience, and mm. I think it affected perception of them in a big way because it meant a lot to people to be there, um, and I think that
3: really skewed but the perception. Be fair, but to be fair, I yeah. do think I do think Gary felt that way. Like yeah. Oh like yeah. There is there is a bonus clip. So. It,
0: is this all connected to when we talked to D'Angelo that they talked about how that uh, and, and Gary, who was a great press secretary, said that when he talked to D'Angelo about going on the amazing race, that D'Angelo was under the impression he was going to get to go to the Eiffel Tower. Berlin came right after France. Was this all over? D'Angelo wanted mm-hmm. to go to the Eiffel Tower. He wasn't allowed to. And then you went to Berlin and then he, they were mad about that. I, okay.
4: So this, this <laughs> massive salt to the womb. We were in Paris in the hotel for two days. And you could see the Eiffel Tower out your window for two days. So I totally get being mad that you can't go and you can see it and it lights up
3: every hour and you're like, well, this sucks because it's right there. But okay, then on the flip flip side, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Like, you know, if you did your homework, like they tell you rewatch shows, like watch the season to understand the race. He didn't do that. So like, that's on him. That's (laughs) not anyone else. Like he should have known going into the race what he was getting himself into. That was not on Gary. To tell him it was on him to take the time to do that. And I know Gary told him to watch. So I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I'm going sure. to go back to there. There is a bonus clip when we are in Cambodia and um, it's on the Amazing Race YouTube. We're, we're asked about Gary and D'Angelo. And I say, you know, Gary's great. He's a really fun guy. D'Angelo, though, I, I was talking from terms of like being a fan who's auditioned nine times to be on the mm-hmm. show, to finally have this dream become a reality and hearing D'Angelo speak the way he was about the experience is kind of like a jab to the heart where it's like, I've waited so many years for this spot and you only auditioned once and you got on. There are plenty of people who've applied for this experience who would kill to be in your shoes. But then again... I get that that was his lived experience. And like, I can't take that from him. I can't be mad at him for feeling the way he did because that's D'Angelo's experience. And Mm. I can't be mad about it. Right. But that doesn't mean we're not the same person. It didn't
4: affect. uh, No, totally. Definitely made us feel some type of way. But
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: Mm. So, uh, you guys also this season had a surprising amount of like twistiness to it between the yield and the mega leg and the, the city sprint. I, I think it's tough for you guys to like be completely objective, given the fact that you were participating in the season. But like, did you have certain opinions about that stuff at the time, especially knowing that things like the yield had made a reappearance for the first time in like 20 seasons?
3: I think you're excited that the yield was back. I do remember when we were reading that, we're like, oh, this is new. Like we didn't really kind of anticipate going into it to see that making a comeback. Um, but I think as teams started to talk more about it, and then when you know it's 10 minutes versus 20 minutes, like you're kind of thinking, how much of a difference does that really make? And I do think that maybe why teams weren't really playing it early on in the race, because it was just kind of like, if I stop someone for 10 minutes, what's the likelihood it's going to knock them out? And then I have a team mad at me. So, I do think there were some kind of pros and cons that I loved it. I mean, but again, we had a 20 minute yield. So for us, we had, I feel like a different perspective of like, we could actually do something with this.
4: But I also think that it changed the way people thought from the mind. People started having these really long, like personal conversations with the intention of making friendships so that they weren't yielded. yielded. If it was to ever like play an impact in the race, because twenty minutes, maybe in leg eight, could potentially put you out, whereas right now it's not going
3: to do anything. Which it's... then going back to the point of alliances, I think because the yield came back in the way that it did, it started more of a social game very early on than I think what you're used to on the Amazing Race. Yeah, people were terrified of it being potentially being on like top of you changing, yeah. even
4: though like from a viewer, like ten minutes, big whoop. But in, when you're running around, you think that like two minutes is big. True.
0: <laughs> so if people are, are don't want there to be uh, alliances on the amazing race as much, should they be rooting for less yields and less U-turns? Because is, is that really the purpose of the alliances forming is to prevent the disadvantages from being used against you?
4: I will say that I think it's not so much about like preventing alliances. I think those bonds with teams are going to form regardless of what you do. I think the massive part that might need to shift is challenge structure, mm-hmm. where you're not all like, like the sauerkraut situation right. is the one that stands out to everybody because you go down, you get an answer, you give it to the person, and then hung waited. Like that type of challenge in theory is like, oh, great, teams aren't going to want to wait, but you can never predict like, oh, she literally feels like these teams are her children, so she's going to wait for them and give them a helpful hint. So if you change the way that the challenges are structured, even like with the cello in Par- Where was that Paraguay? Paraguay, that challenge, you had to do it on your own, but giving tips and stuff, that happens every challenge, but it wouldn't have made the episode if the other challenges in the future didn't turn out to be sauerkraut or the music in the Philippines. They had to paint that story um, because of those things. So I think a challenge change would need.
3: But also even with the whole sauerkraut thing, like I I get it, like I I get it. But when you're racing, you're going to take whatever advantage you can get, even if you don't ask for it. Right. But even going back to like previous seasons, like that type of moment, I would say the only difference was Hung stopped her race to help, Team, she felt extremely loyal to, which I said, I think says a lot about Hong. Like, I, I love her for that. But, like, someone telling an answer in that way in the middle of a challenge has been done before on previous seasons. I just don't get why it was so polarizing, in particular with ours.
4: I, but I think it's because that challenge was so, like, like a thrill you wanted people to sure
3: sure but i'm just saying it's been done before like people have given answers before sure
2: but to that to that point i mean what has been what was the reaction to the edit of the season even not just from your perspective but from you know everyone's perspectives because there has been a lot of talk about like wow this season was really oriented around the alliance obviously that sort of is a hindsight thing considering that the alliance makes the final three but like as someone who lived through that experience what were your thoughts about watching it's sort of being seen through the lens of, you know, this group of five teams helping each other.
4: I will say this, the five teams, we had a conversation about a month before it premiered and we all go, I wonder if they're going to put the mind five in. <laughs> like, we didn't know if it was going to be in there or not, because it wasn't a we big didn't think deal it was that to prominent
3: us. to us while running the race. Yeah,
4: we did know that the, the three team alliance would be involved in the show just because it was the final three teams. Um, But the Mind 5, we were all like, I don't know if they're going to put it in or not. But I mean, then you watch the edit and it's like the whole thing. And you're like, oh, we our perception of at the time was very different than I guess what the what they were watching us do.
3: (laughs) But like on the flip side of that, like I I personally loved Like our cast, like I think all of us thought, like, this is such a great cast. It's going to be a really fun season. So for us, like, I think we all kind of enjoyed it. So it was just interesting to kind of see the feedback as the season progressed. Yeah, yeah.
0: Can you two talk about that uh final four challenge in the Philippines that uh we uh, didn't really get into it uh when we got to speak uh, the other day but just can you just uh talk through a little bit about uh what were the challenges that were uh the teams were facing and why it was so difficult to figure out to uh, uh do the songs in the order that which you heard them on the on the race
3: Yeah I think by that point, the first thing is just rereading your clue. Like we all could have done that much early on in the challenge, which none of us did. So I think that was the first step. But even then,
0: Because it was uh, wild that all three of the uh, like all the teams seemed to right. have like uh all had yeah. like the same brain fart of like uh not getting what was on the clue, even though people uh, read it out loud.
3: Right. Even after the clue though, the only issue was like even though we reread we it, we, we still didn't know the figure answer. out the fourth song, which yeah. was Paris. And a lot of us, you know, our four teams have actually all talked about it, and we all were kind of stumped on the same thing. and that was all of our teams were convinced that there was no music in Paris. Mm. None of us thought that there was music in Paris. So that was the the real issue because when you go through the list of all those legs, like, I think the, the three like Bogota Paraguay and Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago made the most sense for sure but then you think okay in Kazakhstan there's a huge like performance with music at the pit stop in India they're playing drums so you think those are the two more likely choices over something like Paris and then even in Berlin you have the teledisco so when all four teams ruled out Paris as an option like it makes you wonder like why? <laughs> yeah. So at what point
2: did you decide? Was it really like we were speculating like you came in with the intention of working independently and then it was just through so many tries you're like, guys, let's let's just work together and get through this, Or did you really still have that idea in mind of like, I want us three teams to be the top three?
4: I think when we first got there, it was just us and then Madison and Riley were quickly behind us. And Madison came up to me and he goes, Hey, let's, you want to work together? And I looked at him and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I think we really want to do it on our own. And then the same thing happened with me and D'Angelo. He goes, let's work together. And I said, No, because for that first hour and a half, everybody like really wanted to get it on their own and nobody wanted to work together because you obviously
3: wanted to do a good job. Well, especially when you at the start of the lag fell kind of paints that picture of like this is the final leg yeah. before the finale like you really need to rely on you and your teammate it's it's your race currently and you don't want to rely on other teams that could potentially knock you out and then you don't have a spot in the top 3 so we definitely took that to heart and we always said to ourselves at the end of the day like it's it's going to be us like it's going to be Will and James if that's what it boils down to so throughout the whole leg we focused on ourselves and i think you're telling Madison no you're telling D'Angelo no everyone worked alone, but because there was that hiccup of no one's getting this, that's when that light bulb turned on of saying, okay, we can actually control our fate here of who can go to that final three Let's just work together and make that a reality, which is something we agreed to do way early on in the race.
4: It all shifted when Hung and Chi showed up because they showed up about 45 minutes after all of us. And so when they showed up, we were like, Oh, everybody's here. Now your shot of getting to the final three is way lower because you're not just one in three right now. You're one in four. And I think all of the three teams were just like, you know what, this is just not working. We got to do something.
1: Yeah, I have to imagine there were not that many moments um, where every team was there on the field and it felt like, you know, whoever didn't get it was going to be the odd one out. And that was really... I can see where the temptation would be to just make sure, like, whatever you have to do to make sure that you're not that person.
4: Yeah. I also, like, we had already been... And this, like, not that it worked, but we had kind of been feeding misinformation to Gary and D'Angelo. Not that we thought that they were, like, listening, but we had been being like, oh, it's Brazil or, oh, it's, you know. Like, has anyone Cambodia. tried Germany yet? Like, you're, yeah. you're saying it out loud. And so I think because we had already been saying that stuff out loud and it wasn't just us, it was the Madison and Riley too. I think it just kind of went like, oh, we're... They obviously don't have a clue still. So let's work with Hung and Chi, and Madison and Riley, um, because we had already been doing that as well to Gary and D'Angelo.
1: Now, if there was a point where it looked like Gary and D'Angelo were closer to getting it than the other two teams, would you have jumped ship and worked with them?
3: No, I don't think we would have. No,
4: I, I think we would have had a really hard time. Um, not, not because we don't like them, but just because like,
3: I don't know. I just we would have wanted to figure it out on our own. But even then, though, honestly, babe, it's so tough to say. Oh yeah, like if they came to us and said, "We'll give you the answer," I don't think we would have said no. No. Do you know what I mean? Like we we at that point, we really wanted to be top three. But I don't think that's what would have happened. They would have told Madison and Riley, and then we think Madison and Riley would have told Hung and Chi, and we would have been knocked out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or here's another hypothetical for you. Like say, we love hypotheticals. Yes, I do too. Like there's like a whole like infinite sliding doors universes here. Um, so, the hypothetical I want to pose now is: okay, you, the three of you are working together, and D'Angelo and Gary are working by themselves. What happens at the point where D'Angelo and Gary get it and are gone? What do you do then?
4: I think. Here's what I think would have happened. We would have reread our clue, and at that point, we would have not told anybody any
3: information, and we would have been able to do process of elimination because we did have three out of the four. And I think at that point, we would have just done leg by leg by leg thereafter to figure it out. We would have had to just narrow it down that way.
4: And I think in that instance, Madison and Riley would have been eliminated because they weren't thinking about rereading their clue, but me and Hung read our clues at the exact same time so if that would have happened I think it would have kicked us into gear to like oh we did something wrong we need to read our clue yeah but oh my gosh there's really no
3: telling it could have gone any direction
2: (laughs) so going back to a point that James made about you know sort of the feedback of the season I'm really intrigued and obviously it's tough to divorce like if you guys hadn't won the season would you be like you know speaking out about it or being you know defending it so much as you do now but is that part of it is it you know the season that you won this dream come true and then you have fans come out and talk about how they're not liking things is that does that cause you to, to get a bit more emotional about considering it turns out so well for
3: you? I think for me in particular, like I used to recap the amazing race on Afterbuzz TV. So I did that for eight about eight seasons. So I was excited to just talk about my experience and like share that with The audience. Um, But it wasn't more so like defending our season because I do think people are entitled to that opinion. You don't have to like it. I totally get why you don't. There's a lot of criticisms that as a fan, if I removed myself, I understand. It was just hard when it was more so like polarizing opinions of us. It made it hard to engage because no one wanted to hear... About our experience, it was like they already had their mind made up about what they were seeing. So that's what the hardest part was, like as far as just reliving the season as a whole. Like you don't have to like it. I totally understand. Like that's your opinion.
4: Yeah, and yeah. I also think waiting two years and then wanting to talk about it um, as a cast with everybody. I think all of us, the cast, had lots of conversations about like why are people, what's going on? Like we did not expect this, and so I think everybody's had their little conversations with fans and stuff to be like hold on let's all take a beat for a second and like think about this in not like a very personal way but as like a game it's a literal game cuz at the end of the day we
3: really all love and respect each other
2: <laughs> yeah that's the thing as well as I, I don't know whether it was the timing or the way that things turned out but yes yeah, some very emotional remarks towards not only you, but like on sort of on both sides uh, of this season. So, I mean, I commend you for being able to, to talk with people about it. I think some might just sort of like do an out of sight, out of mind thing, but it takes a lot of wherewithal to <laughs> engage uh, certain people on social media as, as you're both experienced with. So, you know,
3: Yep. Yeah, exactly. So,
2: like, I, you know, it ended up being, I think, a nice ending for you. Hopefully not not too many negative comments
3: to come in for you after the engagement. I'm hoping. It was, like, it was kind of a 180, to be
2: honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're engaged? Oh, that's fine, then. That's okay.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know how you could hate that moment because it was just, it was like the most joyful thing I've ever seen An Amazing Race and maybe in all of television. Uh, thank you. People love a <laughs> winner,
0: okay? They're not yeah. going to complain now.
1: Well, hopefully not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, if they do, it's fine. It's fine. We can take it. We can. Take yeah. It.
1: And I also have to commend you for not just engaging people that might have been detracted. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also, kind of understanding like who to engage and who to not engage because I think that also takes a little discernment because you could really fall down a hole. Yep. Oh yes,
4: A rabbit hole of just saying things and then no listening yep
2: especially after two years because like you said i I cannot imagine the anticipation especially from your perspective (laughs) you you are finally gotten that million dollar check now after two years and now you're like i want to i can imagine there's a part of you that's like i want to soak up everything everyone's saying with hashtag amazing grace and then you realize when you open that pandora's box that there is just a bevy of opinions out there
3: yeah yeah but thankfully like we you know we've had each other to talk it through with and then our cast, like our whole cast has been able to talk freely and openly about the entire experience. So
4: Yeah. D'Angelo calls James when James <laughs> is about to jump off a
3: ledge with a fan. <laughs> so it all
4: works what out. What does
0: he say in those conversations? You
3: know, enforcement. Yeah, he called me after the India episode in particular, and he was like, "Hey, you're a little quiet on social media, and then you'll come out and you'll say something, and then you go back into a hole. Like, I just want to make sure you're okay. Like, are you are you about to jump off a ledge? Because I'm here to talk you down. It. And I'm like, I'm fine, D'Angelo, I'm fine. He's like, let's no, mm, let's talk about it. And mm-hmm. so he called me during that, and then he called me after Cambodia, and then called me again uh, before the Philippines. So yeah d'angelo he's he's a good guy even though he likes to drag us on on twitter (laughs) or tv
4: Mm -hmm.
0: do you think that's because that he has experience like from the nfl of like uh Mm -hmm. dealing with uh loss or with criticism even even though that he was uh you know had had issues with the race itself but sort of like dealing (laughs) with like uh like criticism that he has like some experience with that
3: He loves being the villain. Like he, he has flat out told us all that he was excited. He was like, "Oh, I hope I'm the villain of the season or whatever." And then, of course, as the season progresses, he's like reached out to a few of us. He's like, "People are saying you're the villain right now, and I'm jealous. Like no one's saying (laughs) that about me." And like he, like he just loves it. Like he loves to troll on social media and like. That's why, yeah, I I I sometimes blow his cover though, and I'm like, do you remember when you called me tonight? You know, to say congratulations, (laughs) and here you are saying this on social media. (laughs)
1: That that explains his questionable take on candy corn.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I'm
2: just about random food takes that nobody likes to troll everyone.
1: (laughs) James, I'm really curious. um, Did you get a taste of like public reaction to you when you were a recapper? Like, did people come after you when you posted hot takes? Um. Yeah, I but not as often because I mm-hmm. always try to be
3: like as neutral as possible but also share my pros and cons on specific teams. I never wanted to come out boldly and like say like anything that was attacking who they are as people, but more so necessarily like how they were racing or how they were treating other people on the race. And sometimes if I said something that someone didn't agree with, sure, they would reach out and explain to me why they either loved or hated a particular team. So I understood that that was going to be something similar with our season. So we all, you know, again, even as a cast, he said, going into this, let's just remember like either 50% of these people are going to love you or 50% of the viewers are going to hate you. Yeah. That's just that's how it goes.
2: Was there a particular alumni team or even like celebrity fan who interacted with you or said something about you that like made you squee a little bit considering how
4: big of a fan you are of the show? Yes. Janelle from Big Brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that.
3: Oh my God, she's a fan, and I was like hyperventilating. I think for me, a pleasant surprise was Rick Evans. I did not know he was a race fan, and when he started tweeting like how he's been enjoying watching Will and I, that was kind of a fangirl moment. But that would be that would be one for me. Yeah, or Karishma.
1: Oh heck, <laughs> Karishma. yeah, charisma. She's been great. She's been great. <laughs> yeah, she, I love her.
2: They're all they're all fantastic, but yeah, that's got to be interesting as well. Again, to to have uh, go from a reality TV fan to a participant, you know, it, it's probably surreal on so many levels. But one of them being like, wow, these people that that I've thought about, you know, or even just seen recently, to have to have Janelle go from being in the Big Brother house, coming out and being like, let me watch Amazing Race. I love Will and James. Like <laughs> and that be a world. An amazing
1: default. Race alumni too. That's I know. True. I know. God, I love her so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing. Like when people on the Big Brother live feeds are like, "I wonder what they're going to say about us on our HEP. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Do we have time to play a quick game? I know you guys have to jump off and do your reunion. Heck yeah, yeah we love games. <laughs> okay. So I this is something I put together a few weeks ago, and I've just been waiting to get like a race team on here so we can play it. And uh, so we're going to play a little bit of the Tar Pit Pyramid today. Wow. Yes, and as with the um, the traditional, however many dollar pyramid is it hundred thousand dollar now? I don't even remember, but mm-hmm. um, in mean, classic pyramid you would have like the two celebrities and, and, and two regular people, drinks. and you would mix up the you would mix up the teams. So that's how we're gonna play it here, and also because of the. Peculiarity is how StreamYard works. We're gonna we're gonna mix it up. So uh, Will, you're gonna be partnered with Rob and um, James, you are going to be partnered with Mike. Oh, what a twist! And, Game on.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so we have a couple of um, ways this is gonna work. So you see how at the right of your screen you have a chat window and a comments window. So whoever is giving the clues will have their chat window with a private chat window up, and whoever is receiving the clues, makes make sure you're not on that window. Or you're not looking at it. And so I think everybody understands, I think, how the pyramid game works. You are you have you're going to get a series of clues and they're going to go in the chat and you're going to have to describe the clues without using the words that are in the words and try to get your partner to say the word. And you have 60 seconds on the clock. And then when you get the correct one, you'll know it's time to move on when you hear the xylophone. (laughs) I I don't have a bell. I I have a bell somewhere in this apartment, but I I know
2: this is more musical than a bell. You have different tones to it.
1: Yeah, and um we have like dueling xylophones going on in this apartment. So, okay, so um I have, have randomized all of this and so Will and Rob, you're going to go first and you can okay. choose um from two different rounds. Um we have A and B and a they are two that. different yeah. Amazing Race themes.
0: Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go let's go with A. Okay. Perfect.
1: All right. And who is going to be giving the clues and who is going to be guessing? The Will, clues? do you have a
0: preference?
4: Um, can I guess first? Okay, great.
1: All right. So we'll make sure you hide the private chat window and Rob, these clues will be coming to you in the private chat window. And so these are objects. Uh, Are they coming one at a time or I'm getting
0: the whole list?
1: (laughs) We have seven. You have seven, seven terms. You're going to try to get Will to guess. And these are all objects that figured into this season of the amazing race. Okay. And so I'll get the first one ready to go. And then your one minute starts as soon as this appears in the window.
0: Alright. Uh, yeah. this is something uh you played in Trinidad and Tobago. Still pan. Still yep. drunk. Uh this is something you use to chop in the Amazon? Machete.
1: Correct i'm going to dispense with the xylophone <laughs>
0: okay uh this is uh something uh used to make cakes in france uh whisk uh that the what you use to make a chantilly cream
1: yes correct
0: okay uh you would uh throw this it's a long stick a spear yes uh this is a word that you have to spell when you're repelling down a tower Sauerkraut. Yes. <laughs>
1: Next. Uh, fake teeth. Dentures. Yep. And
0: finally. Uh this is something that's very scary that you dress up as in a circus. Clown. Ugh.
1: All right. Very good. You yeah. guys have correct. And we're not timing this anymore because okay. it's too many things to do at once. So um someday when we hire like a you know an external producer like the raws on Frasier, then we can run this a little more smoothly. Mm-hmm um all right so will and mike you are up next and um your theme is going to be um terms that have been made famous on the amazing race over the years so this is going to test your super fanhood i think this one is a little bit harder so who is going to be giving the clues and who's going to be receiving
2: what do you think james I, it's totally, I, I could go. I, I feel it. like you are going to be better at like taking, giving, like giving the clues and like seeing the the, the terms and knowing okay. how
3: they can be applied. Let's do it.
1: Okay. All right. So make sure, um, Mike, you hide your hide your chat window. It is hidden. All right, and James, your time starts as soon as you see the first term in the window.
3: Um. uh The Spanish word for fast. Oh, rápido. Yes. A detour in Paraguay. A fruit oh the watermelon watermelon pyramid correct um rachel riley crying in the back of a taxi oh amazing we're supposed to be fun and good correct um uh colin meltdown oh my ox is broken correct um travelocities roaming gnome yes correct oh when you are like really well prepared for something and you fail at it yes correct uh, you step on this when you see fell the mat. Yes. Okay. Wow,
1: that that's was great. Good. <laughs> good job, you guys both got it perfect. And so we do have one final round that's a little Ooh. more complicated, okay. and I'm just happy with the mechanics of this. So um, I do think that James and Mike got theirs a little bit faster. Oh, uh, that could be down to me, but uh-huh. you were excellent at it. So I'm going to declare you the winners. Um, that's fine. That's fine.
4: Woo. Cheating, <laughs> bullying—you know. Yeah, right. I, I know, I
1: know, and, and apparently gaslighting too. According oh to Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but someone's got to play this, and I think this is going to be very fun. So, um, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna share my screen, and um, whoever is giving the clues um, can watch the shared screen, and then whoever is receiving the clues should just hide the window entirely. So that's how this is going to work. So I'm going to go ahead and share we, right we now. Keep
2: up the the roles, James. I feel like we're we're good so far with
3: this. Let's do it. Yeah. You got I it.
1: Like okay.
2: Our partnerships on TAR is figuring out who's good at what.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. I right. my window.
1: Okay, so here we go and we're going to we're going to start with this one here and your time starts as soon as you see the clue.
3: Um learning languages, running. What
2: things you do to prepare for the amazing race.
3: Correct. Yes. Um, failure at a a challenge, a penalty. Uh, Reasons you get
2: eliminated on The Amazing Race.
3: Correct. Uh, uh, You have been eliminated. The world is waiting. Things that Phil Kogan says. Correct. Um, uh, Blind dates, social media. The Amazing Race seasons.
1: Correct. (laughs)
3: Jesus. Ooh. uh, Breaking a rule.
2: Uh, Reasons to get a penalty on The Amazing Race. Correct.
3: And finally um a memory task a roadblock another roadblock types um, of
2: uh things on the final leg of
1: the amazing race all right you guys did it yay okay wow. you did say that was, that was a little too the, good yeah there. i don't know you said the word task on the very last one and i might oh be inclined gosh, no. to disqualify you uh, uh, new winners now I didn't yeah. read my clue. You got to read your clue, man. Wait, what games is that one of the blankets that they sell in the CBS store? Oh, yeah, of, of course. We <laughs> spend
4: so much money on the CBS <laughs> store.
1: Did they at least give you a discount for that?
4: Whatever my email told me. Whatever the whatever the, <laughs> the advertisement y'all talked about at the very beginning. Yeah, where's your man? They didn't
0: give you the million dollars in CBS store credit, right? <laughs> Yeah.
1: Give oh me oh we have we have an amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: That's,
2: that seems that thing seems extraordinarily small compared to your hand. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: is that a pint or is that a half pint? It is, it is a
0: pint. I am a large human,
1: you just mm. have large hands, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow, uh, a great job on the game, Jess. Yeah, there, that was fantastic Good
1: mm-hmm. I will continue to hone it and then next season in 8 years whenever that happens yeah. you know I'll be able to beam it directly into your brains because technology will have Best progressed.
0: pyramid I've seen since Gary and D'Angelo spent 4 hours with those watermelons <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah, well this took way less than 4 hours so I mm-hmm. think they've still got me beat
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: okay All right. uh, Will and
0: James thank you for spending some time with us today to talk through your game this was incredible
1: of yeah, course.
3: Thank you, you for, for having us. Having us. We, we've really enjoyed listening to you all all season long. So it's been fun to be here yeah. and chat with you about yeah. it.
2: Well, I think, you know, like you said before, James, I think we want to also in our coverage, want to make sure that, that we are, you know, representing the teams well, you know, based on what we saw. So to hear that from you, especially like you said, when some people have not reflected those opinions, that, that does mean a lot to hear from your perspective as well.
3: Well, yeah. you're you're well researched. You back things up with like facts. Like it's just, I appreciate it. Yeah, y'all you are, you are fantastic. Yeah,
1: that was a thing we had to learn how to do over several seasons. I think <laughs> that much. So it's it's nice to know that the racers like us now.
0: Well, for more Amazing Race 32, of course, you can go check out Will and James's YouTube channel to go check out the Amazing Race 32 wow. reunion. And then, uh, what's next for the two of you?
4: Hopefully, oh. getting married in March. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping yeah, we're that hoping. things are okay. Um, And then after that, you know, we want to start
3: traveling.
4: Like we were trying we to plan to some How many trips trip?
0: did you win? We just got two. two. We're
3: going to Vegas for seven days.
0: Whoa. Seven days in Vegas is a long time. That's yes. a long time. We two days in Vegas is yeah, like three is max. like the max. Yeah. yeah you yeah. might
1: have to take a side trip to Hoover Dam. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> or the Grand Canyon. Where's the yeah. other
4: trip? Bali. Bali. And that'll be we're gonna use that for our
3: honeymoon after yeah. the wedding.
2: Oh, that's amazing. I didn't even yeah. think about that. I yeah, just used an amazing race trip you got from your engagement to, to... Yeah.
3: we're just like ready to travel again. So yeah. we're we're hopeful for twenty twenty one and hoping that we can do that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Did I see that you're that you're taking you're taking suggestions on places that people could go with you? Yeah, yeah like
4: we're we, trying to do a group trip with um, mm-hmm. a lot of the racers want to go. A lot of our friends want to go, and if anybody else wants to come, you're you're happy and welcome to come. We've
3: yeah. traveled with ourselves, like just the two of us, for so many years that we thought it would be fun to like show people like what we love to do and bring people along yeah. and, well, and we build did those it group trips. Well, we I have what? to hear
0: about it. you're gonna you are willing to t- take like a like a tour group like on a trip with you of Heck yeah! yeah. Heck
3: yeah. Yeah. The James
1: Tour?
0: Wow. (laughs) This is wild. This needs to be like its own series. (laughs) Oh, we should film it.
1: Yes, (laughs) we should.
3: Sounds like a hot mess. Mm I would uh, watch
0: that.
1: (laughs) It's
4: like Love Island, but
1: not. No. Are you going to make everybody be single when they travel with you? Oh my god. (laughs) Can you imagine surprise is a dating show.
4: (laughs)
3: Especially for Gary and Ishwar, we want to set them up. Oh yes. Ishwar's got a lot of callers though. So
4: the whole internet loves Ishwar. Oh yeah. Ooh.
3: Okay.
1: I'm loving this. Um yeah and can I just say I've been loving your little behind the scenes takes that you've been posting after each episode. I think it's been great. Really love it.
4: Thank you. We love talking about it if you can't tell.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again so much for uh, joining us. And this was uh, a, r- a real treat uh, on the uh, finale uh, tar pit of the season. Thanks again for having us, you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, best look at the union. All right, how about that? The Amazing Race champs on the tar pit. I, I
2: honestly never thought when we started this secondary Amazing Race silly podcast that we'd have the winners on to play an Amazing Race theme pyramid game. Granted, that would have been a very uh, niche thought I would have had, but I never thought it would have been happening
1: nevertheless. Yeah,
0: it would be a uh, B&B Mad Lib, perhaps, uh, that you would make that prediction.
1: Well, I feel like every year there's like... there's a couple of teams that get into our DMs and are like, we want to come on the podcast. We want to come on the podcast. And then they never find a time. Those so I was just favorite four. Teams. Yes. Yes. We love those guys and we love the happy feedback and, you know, we love the banter on the Twitter. But then we never get a team where I say, hey, do you want to actually come on and set a time? And they're, and they're like, yes, immediately sign me up. Yes. That's they're why they're getters. winners are yeah.
2: swimming in TTs. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's all about all right. the TTs. All right. Uh, what about your teethies, though, Mike? Uh, that brings <laughs> us to our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Quip. You know, Quip, the electric toothbrush you hear about all the time on this podcast, but it's their sleek, reusable floss pick that you'll want to use next. It's got a durable handle uh, that is easy to guide, restrings with a click, and comes with a compact mirrored dispensing case for on-the-go, much better than the disposable plastic flossers that people are flinging around all over the place, littering our neighborhoods. No thank you. That's where Quip is changing the way that you're going to floss with a single refill pod that replaces over 180 of those single-use plastic flossers, so it's better for you, your teeth, and the environment. If you're not a pick person, Quip also has uh, the refillable floss string that expands to clean. You could pair your floss with the perfect uh, electric toothbrush for adults and kids. Quip has the uh, simple guiding features you need, like the timed sonic vibrations with guiding pulse to help you brush better 30 seconds move on to the next quadrant 30 seconds again you move on to the next quadrant it helps me with my routine it can help you too you could personalize your routine with nine premium brush colors as well plus anti-cavity toothpaste for every taste in mint and a very appropriate amazing race flavor of watermelon Ooh. Yes. Okay. That is exactly that Quip is helping you with the way you want to get watermelon towards your face, not in the Amazing race way. And now you can get amazing rewards for brushing every day. The Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush connects to your free Quip app uh, with Bluetooth uh, for your teeth. Uh, combining finally Bluetooth and your tooth as you track and coach better oral health habits two minutes twice a day Quip also delivers brush head floss and toothpaste refills every three months for five dollars shipping is free so you can save money and skip the store bring delight to your everyday brushing and join the over five million mouths brushing with Quip starting at twenty five dollars this holiday season check out Quip's exclusive deals if you go to getquip.com slash rob right now you get your first refill for free that's your first refill free at getquip.com slash rob that's g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash rob quip better oral health made simple okay all right we're just getting warmed up here in the tar pit we've talked to our champions but we still have feedback some secret scenes social media all right what, what did the listeners want to know about this finale
1: all right well we had a lot of questions um Surrounding, especially the fact that this was not a well received season in Casual's Corner. And so I want to start off with a question that we got from Mike D who says, I've already seen a ton of worst season ever comments on social media and with no future season on the horizon, it looks like this bitter taste is going to stay with people for a long time. I know this is a big question, but what can CBS do differently with future seasons to get those angry fans to fall back in love with the show when it does eventually return?
2: I mean, that is, as Mike said, a big question. I mean, part of it, honestly, I think does come down to the winner. Like, you know, I I do not want to, to to cast an umbrella over the entirety of Amazing Race fandom, but I do feel like a lot of people are like, if I like the winner then I like this season. If I don't, then I'm going to have a, a bit of more of a problem with it. And so, you know, whatever people feel about Will and James might have influenced the way that they viewed the season or at least been one of the ways. So, I mean, I, I do feel like there's not really many... There are certainly things that they can do, which we have spoken about and we will continue to speak about as to, like, what they can institute moving forward to maybe help stymie some of the larger issues or more boring parts of this season. But I, I think... To say, I want to produce a season that people will love is going to be an incredibly tough order unless it just so happens that like everyone's favorite team wins the season, you know
1: yeah, it's true. you only have a certain amount of control over that kind of thing, but I also think one of the reasons that they sit on amazing race seasons for so long or the reason that they didn't just kind of unleash it when they feel like they when they feel like they need something in a slot is because there's really there's a segment of the population. There's about 3 million viewers out there who will watch anything that's got the name amazing race on it. And there are this is a show that has, you know, it peaked in popularity somewhere around season seven, but it's held steady more or less since then. And, you know, it drops off a little bit every season, but there's a core viewership there that would, you know, that watched season 24 and came back, and that watched, that has watched a lot of crap happen on this show and it does not seem to care. Like nobody rage quits The Amazing Race.
2: Yeah, that uh, yeah, that's I I want to bring that up as well cuz uh you know we got a question from Ashley that a lot of people have been asking especially as the season went along of now that the race is over I'm wondering if you have any further insight as to why CBS may have kept this season in the vault for so long was it because of the alliance and this is sort of part and parcel with some other stuff I've seen as to like will the alliance cancel the amazing race and I think Jess's point is incredibly valid that when it comes to reality competition shows, unless this season is, like, provoking very controversial headlines, Mm -hmm. there's a very small chance, especially in a long running competition show, that, like, this will be the season that sinks the show. You know, CBS is not going, like, how dare you produce a boring season of The Amazing Race? I think it's time we call it quits here. So
0: just to go through, like, the timeline of when this was filmed versus, you know, when, when it could air and it got pushed back, like, I don't think that there was any thought of like, oh, this season has an alliance in it. Let's keep this in the can. Yeah. Let's sort well, of let me, 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 me
2: apologize if I'm being blunt here. That's not the way television works. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, not true. like, oh, this cookie is a little misshapen, but if I put it in the back of the of the platter, then maybe people will get to it later. No, the, the, to be honest, again, the network does not really care about the quality of the season that much unless it's something that causes like again a huge skirmish to develop and the show to receive a huge negative light on
0: it yeah if anything I think that this was a case with CBS where I think that they like to look at the amazing race more to just to use like a baseball term sort of like a, a long man out of the bullpen where it's yep. not in the starting rotation but if some, if uh, somebody pulls a Tom Glavin and gives up seven runs in the first inning and can't get three outs even though The Mets could clinch the playoffs with a simple win over the Marlins. Then you have the amazing race to come out of the bullpen. They're going to give you, you know, basically your steady innings eating uh, type schedule filling amazing race run that it's given you for 10-15 10-15 years so i think that they looked at it like they had basically it was just to go back to that they they filmed this in the fall of 2008 survivor the edge of extinction aired on cbs on wednesdays they came out of that and i believe that they had said okay we are going to go with uh, game on uh, was what they aired right after that in that time slot while a lot of, and I believe it was million dollar mile also uh, that I, maybe that, that came and went that was the one that bombed but game on got through its whole run we got to big brother 21 we came out of that and then had uh, survivor 39 which tried its damnedest but did not get cancelled during that <laughs> fall and then uh, we came out of that and then it was winners at war and then CBS went into. To uh then they did uh did they have something on before
1: tough as nails jess um i think i think they, they just went straight into tough as nails didn't they or yeah, after Winners at War, yeah, it was Tough as Nails because that was end of May. No, there, were, was, and- there was something else in between, right?
0: Because
2: there, there was the other, like, uh, the panel show that they sort of, that they did for a little bit. They did a few weeks before Tough as Nails because there was that initial announcement. I think what also sort of pushes this comment along is there was that initial scheduling of uh, the Amazing Race in that May mm-hmm. slot. And then that eventually was got Was
1: Game put. On this year? Game on might have been this year. Oh, my God. I, I don't remember anything that happened this year anymore. But Another, yeah, but, thing, another thing that is worth pointing out about Amazing Race I is mean, game that... Game
0: on was this year, maybe. Game, oh my game God. on
1: was on, and
0: then and then Tough as Nails. I don't mm-hmm. know what was on in 2019 it's some, Survivor.
1: Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look at the whole lineup. But something that I think is worth pointing out is that there was a period of about... Seven or eight years where we were absolutely spoiled, like in the good way and not in the bad way, as far as Amazing Race airings were. Like, there was a good long stretch between like season 13 and season 28 when Amazing Race reliably aired. Like, you'd have a fall season and a spring season. They'd shoot two a year and they'd air two a year and you got it every single time. Like, back when it was on Sunday nights, I think was the main reason for that. But People, What people forget is before that, you had no idea when you were getting Amazing Race. You would go as long as a year and a half without Amazing Race because they would just sit on it and wait for a time when they could drop it in with something else. And I want to go back especially to season 12 um, during what we called the Viva Laughlin fiasco mm-hmm. where everybody was just sitting and waiting because there was another show in Amazing Race's time slot called Viva Laughlin. It had Hugh Jackman in it, and it was it was like a musical, but it yeah, wasn't really. The only musical. thing I
2: remember is him singing Elton John's I'm Still Standing while walking on an escalator. That's the only image I have of Viva Laughlin.
1: Yeah. I, I also remember they would they weren't even singing. They were like playing the pop song and people would sing along with the pop song. It was <laughs> very strange and very bad. And we would all all the Amazing Race fans at the time were just sitting on their hands waiting for Viva Laughlin to get cancelled. It was like, Is this the week it's gonna get canceled? Is this the week? And then finally it got canceled and Boom! Amazing Race Twelve was out of the gate, and so for a very long time, you kind of you could set your clock by when Amazing Race was running. And it wasn't until well, I know which which season it was. It was because it was fall of twenty sixteen. I thought I was going to have to take that season off, and we didn't get one. Mm-hmm. And at, ever since then, it's just been kind of a crapshoot again. And those of us who were in those early days of not knowing when you were getting Amazing Race or what time or what day. Like, we're used to that, but I think the viewers that came on during the teens and later may not be.
2: Yeah, so, so basically, ever since season 29, when yeah. I think it was in that Friday night death slot, after that, starting in seasons 30 and 31, this, this, the network said, okay, the best spot for The Amazing Race is Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. or yeah. 9 p.m., but as a fill-in. during yeah. As Rob said, like that eight to nine week per- period between between, you know, Big Brother and Survivor, essentially. And what happened this year was they were planning to do that. You know, this was going to be the eight or nine weeks between Survivor Winners at War and Big Brother 22. But then everything happened, and they said, okay, there's going to be a very good chance there's no Survivor in the fall. Let's push Amazing Race to the fall. So it was more so like a uh, a belief that, to your point, Jess, people would come out for the Amazing Race because they had no other reality slots for the fall. Let's put something in there then hence you know the reason that i got pushed not necessarily oh this season might not be
0: so savory because of an alliance yeah and just to fact check myself okay so that now i have it straight (laughs) So the Amazing Race 31 ended up that it was going to be on uh, later, but the Million Dollar Mile got canceled. So the the Amazing Race came in out of the bullpen for Amazing Race 31 during Survivor, the Edge of Extinction, and started airing uh, in early April and then ran through June 2019. So that's why that was the 2019 season. So uh, even though this season had been filmed, prior to that season airing. Uh, this was, we, we were expecting it in the summer, and just kept getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. To try yeah. so, essentially,
2: so essentially the, to answer, you know, the question, the reason why Amazing Race kept getting pushed back, nothing to do with quality, your mileage may vary on that. It was purely, they were trying to find a spot for it in the schedule. They have a very specific thing in mind for when they want Amazing Race to be and just due to various circumstances, they didn't end up having that fall into their lap until this year.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's almost a chicken and egg thing here because like, do we think it's bad because we waited so long for it and got our hopes built up or did we, or is it actually, you know, is it actually disappointing, which I didn't think it was. and Maybe I'm the opposite. Like I waited so long for this, that any amazing race is good. Amazing race.
2: All right, so Anna has an idea here. Let's go a little think tanky because mm-hmm. uh, obviously one of the reasons why this last leg ended up being, say what you want about it, I think it's def- it was definitively anticlimactic and certainly not suspenseful, arguably one of the least suspenseful final leg we've ever had because partially due to the Bali Bros getting caught in a bad taxi. Anna suggests... In past seasons, if you came in first on the first leg of the race, you got an express pass where you can skip any tasks later on. What if the prize was instead getting a designated ride from production to replace a taxi ride so you know that the driver knows where the destination is? Would this be too hard to coordinate? What do you think about this, guys? That you can replace any taxi ride with like a limo driver, a chauffeur shows up and says, I'll take you to your next task, What about ma'am. This?
1: Why don't we do this for every team? Yes, I, I agree with you, Rob. But I wanna I wanna point out, wasn't there a season and maybe it was a different international version of Amazing Race, but wasn't there a season where the host gave a team a ride to the airport? Like did oh, got you got do that? Yeah. I don't, or was it might have been Amazing Race Australia? it might've been a most recent recent somebody fact checked me on this, but I I know there was one where a team got a ride to the airport from the host or from the host. Or Mm -hmm. from production. But yeah, I'm with you, Rob. I want to take cab drivers entirely out of it because I think the assumption is that every cab driver in a city is going to get to the same place and knows where everything is. But when that turns out to not be the case, it is very unfair to the team. So I say either production takes them everywhere or they have to get everywhere themselves. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. like they have to get everywhere themselves Better than I like production ferrying them around because I like the I like the self navigating I like the fun of driving a stick shift or put them on public transportation I love that too. But what about these
0: uh, eleven jockeys that they're they're characters in the show and then if they if their team is eliminated they are eliminated too. Maybe there's some (laughs) prize in there for these eleven drivers.
1: This is is getting very. Cannibal run cannonball run 2001
2: yes mm, and, yes. and like, it's the third it's very member uh, that's, that's assigned a good to them. thing right very project runway with the models we're like i think for a while they actually the models have their own, like nice. secret series of like oh yeah this is our lives going yes. on and so they won the amazing
0: race yeah
1: exactly so they uh, yeah, or dancing models. with the stars is another one yeah yeah Yeah, very different. Yeah. But Dancing with the Stars is another one where it's like, oh, which person am I getting? You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to get assigned to somebody that has won a lot of seasons or am I going to get assigned to like the random one that gets eliminated first? That's how you know where you're seated.
2: How can we guarantee the jockeys know where they're going? Though, like, will they automatically have a phone with a GPS? That is, I mean, they're on mm
0: -hmm. sort of like all right, like they all have the same GPS. They're they they know like where like if there's anything tricky about it, like there's nothing. like yeah.
1: They have to take the same route. Mm -hmm. Like everybody has to go the same way to get there.
0: Yeah. I like this.
1: Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, make it about the tasks, not about the taxis. Make it about the the taxis or either that or this could be the kind of thing like I'm going to take it back to season one. okay? because there was one leg in season one where they had to they could either choose to hire a driver who would navigate for that. They could drive themselves or they could hire a driver who would do the driving for them. But they had to tell the driver where to go. So Mm -hmm. you get a jockey, but you have to tell the jockey where to go. You have to do all the navigating yourself. I like that, too.
2: Oh, that's interesting. So it of, sort of combines the chauffeur idea with the self driving idea of like, yeah. you are the robot driver. Maybe it should be self driving cars Ooh. for the final leg. But,
1: well, you know, by the time we film Amazing Race again, self driving cars might be everywhere. So this could be a thing.
2: I'm yep. calling it actually season 33, self driving car roadblock, I think is going to happen much. Like, remember that, road, that robot roadblock that they had in Japan, I think, in season 12? Like, I could see them do this here of like, yeah. teams must navigate a self driving car through a
1: course. Yep. Okay. So I have another think tanky question because this is a really interesting idea for me. Um, and I don't think it works on every leg, but let's just talk about it in terms of the final leg. Um, Pika Chad says, do you think this leg could have been better if they reordered the tasks? I think the ingredients to make something great are all here, just not in execution."
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think the issue was and we talked about this on Wednesday as to whether or not, you know, uh, the the result was just born out from like everyone being really good at the tasks or if it really was just a task were not very good at creating a sense where people can catch up. Like the, I just feel like that globe was such a nothing burger compared to mm-hmm. the music task. Like there wasn't even any trivia to do with it. It was just, Hey, put, do you know the, do you know the map? Hey, it was put a memory blackboard. task
0: in some ways, Mike,
2: <laughs> I suppose. So, uh, you're, t- you know, the stuff that you stared at on a blackboard for, for 12 years of your life, I will say, you know, if there was one to get out of the way, I think the the bridge swinging should have been like the first one out of the gate. I think, you know, if even if we just like Mm -hmm. switch the roadblocks, I think that certainly would have helped and at least kept all three teams in the hunt for a little bit longer. If they went from the beads to the bridge, that could have been at least one way to improve it.
1: Yeah, there's something. It's a really interesting conundrum because often the tasks that make good television are not the tasks that make the race competitive. And conversely, some of the things that would make the race competitive are not very fun to watch. So, yeah, I don't want to watch people doing a puzzle for two hours. But at the same time, jumping off a bridge is going to take everybody the exact same amount of time, plus or minus a few minutes of I don't know if I can do this. So that's my thought anyway. um, And I have a related question, um, similar question. Kelly wants to know, would it make it more interesting if each of the teams completed each task in different orders and then none of them would know where they stand in the race?
2: so this is so this is interesting. This is something that the challenge does sometimes where like teams will complete certain tasks and get a time, and sometimes like they 'll alternate partners or something if it 's an individual competition, and then at the very end. TJ level and be like, okay, with a total of this time, you are the winner. So it wouldn't be necessarily which team crosses the finish line first and more so like we've totaled the the amount of time from all the tasks that you did uh, or it could just be like each team has a different route and Mm -hmm. you do the tasks in a different order between all three teams. Mm -hmm. I
1: like the idea of everybody having a different route. It's sort of the like... um the scavenger hunt approach like yeah. you have your little your little kid your national park explorer passport right. and you have to get every station stamped
0: so is this the final leg or i don't think like in terms of like when we have 11 teams like uh i i don't think you can format the you television show where but I, this is interesting where it's like a, almost like even if you go back to last week's uh challenge where you had the city sprint and it's like, okay, in this city, you'll have four tasks that you have to do. And this, mm-hmm. one is the, this one is the hardest. These three are the quickest. You can tackle them in any order you choose.
1: I think yeah. it would actually be
0: very interesting.
1: Yeah, I really like that. That improves the city sprint. Like, that takes a lot of the crap out of the city sprint. It's like, um, you also, like, they're different distances from each other Mm -hmm. and they'll take you different amounts of time and you won't know where anybody else is. Um, You might run into somebody on a task. You don't know if that's their first one or their third one. Yeah. Um This is. This improves the city sprint. I don't like it yeah. for all of them. I like it on the final leg. Yeah, and I, I like it I, on the
2: city sprint. I like it a lot on the final leg because, again, what we're used to in the linearity is like again, one team falls out of it. At least in this case, you know, if a team says, "Oh, I can catch up on these other tasks," there's more legitimacy there than just like, especially you know, in something like this where after the the baby and the king cake, everything else was so straightforward that there was really no chance for the volley bros or hung and she to catch up after that if they did things in a different order maybe it's like oh you know the, the baby task is last and one team really you know one team has a really tough time with it and that slows them down another team goes through it quickly and so their time is balanced out a bit more
0: this is not unlike the among us task list of just, just make sure there's not a, a imposter chasing you uh it might be like waiting for you in the bakery
2: so then, does that mean that the chauffeur would be like venting, like it would get you from like, yes. one place to the yeah. other? Yeah. <laughs> well, on the note of feedback, I do want to bring up something not from the listeners, but actually from an interview that Andy Denhart did oh. this past week. With uh, he talked with executive producers Bertram Van Munster and Elise Doganeri.
0: Why well, that was a get for reality? Yeah, like we can't get them.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. We didn't ask. So maybe, 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 maybe we'll have them play the pyramid soon. Uh, But so Andy asked some questions, particularly about the notion of sharing information and alliances. Elise Doganeri flat out said, I think we're going to put a rule in to limit information sharing for season 33. So I think they, they said that they pay attention to social media, they hear the fans loud and clear, and it seems like they themselves were not particularly happy because I can understand that, you know, as Will and James were sort of talking about in our earlier segment, it does make what's supposed to be a really exciting challenge where people can mess up, come across as really rote and boring. So it seems like they have that goal in mind as well. I am intrigued because they were three weeks into filming The Amaze Race 33, did they do that for that season? Or is this only a direct response to seeing how people responded to season 32?
1: Well, I, to that point, I think I've solved this as well. Like, I, I like how we go away from the show and then I have, like, shower thoughts about it for two days. And I, I've solved this.
2: To Laundry Thoughts? Perfect.
1: Here's how, here's how we make – this is a tiny rule change, and it doesn't affect how you film anything or how it ends up getting portrayed. And it shouldn't even – like you might not even ever have to mention it on the air. The new rule is you cannot share information with another team once you have confirmed that your information is correct. Oh. So at that point, if they're doing the sauerkraut and – Hung gets the word sauerkraut and gives it to the task judge, and the task judge says you're correct. At that point, she cannot go back and tell D'Angelo what the word is. She has to keep going, and she'll incur a penalty if she already knows that mm-hmm. the answer is correct.
0: But could they just huddle up before, the, before that of like, okay, I'm going to go buzz in with sauerkraut?
1: They could, but there, that makes at least makes it a little bit more interesting to watch because there's the possibility that they're not correct. Mm-hmm. And that's that's helping, that's not giving someone the answer because you don't know that's the answer. And that kind of allows for things like, I think we've previously said that a task that we like watching people collaborate on is something where you are like climbing a tower and you have to count all the steps. And if you, you don't know that you have the correct answer until you've presented it to the task judge, but it would make it much easier if you had someone climbing the steps with you and then you say, I got this many, how many did you get? And that kind of gives you a fail safe, but it also doesn't, it means that everybody has to do the work.
2: And Elise, you know, said as much in that interview as well, to your point, she said, like, we don't want to completely eliminate alliances and teams working together because that's those are entertaining parts of the race. I think we're all in agreement that we just don't want to see it in excess. And so to your to your credit, Jess, I think what you brought up is really interesting and who knows what they'll end up instituting. But I think. It's not going to be a complete elimination of information sharing, nor should it. But it's going to be a mitigation, which I think everyone is happy about.
1: Yep. Agreed. Okay. Do so we want to do any more questions or do you want to jump right to the secret scenes? Go to the secret scenes. All, All right. right. Let's well, let's,
2: let's, start with, uh, let's start with the guys we ended up talking to earlier today. We have a few secret scenes at the finish line here. And we're going to start with Will and James. You know what? I've, I figured I would play this this. Like a like a nice beignet. So uh, Rob, if you want to start this video at about one thirty six, this is the actual uncut proposal that we see at the finish line between Will and James. And Phil gets to join in a bit here as well.
3: <laughs> I can't speak what <laughs> I didn't hear the official yes. Is that that a yes? Yes, a million times yes.
4: (laughs) A million. One dollar for every time. (laughs) Yes. So what a wonderful day. Not only do you win the amazing race with your best friend, your life partner, and a proposal right here on the mat. What do you think about that? Has anybody else got tears in their eyes right now? Oh, man. Uh, All right. So we can pause that
2: there. Of course, the lovely Phil Hogan talking about the city of love in Paris, bringing it on home with the love, even though he did not exactly hear the actual affirmation of the proposal at the time. Did he think it was a no? I think maybe he just wanted to double check just to make sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I like that Phil Confirming feels like the he... the call on the field. Yeah, once he got the information that this was going to happen on the race, he felt like he needed to be a part of it. Almost like he's the third person in the proposal. Jess,
0: I would Nervous if this was me and I was gonna do this proposal, I think I would be nervous to sort of like uh, like tip off the production because I kind of feel like that. Um, I don't know the, that I trust that Phil's not gonna give it away before I'm ready.
1: Yeah, He almost did, yeah. I, like, he, he, we we know Anything Phil.
0: Anything else fit. you want to do today, yeah. no yeah. No, not actually, Phil. Yeah, Phil, are Phil you is sure
1: about that? You seem like Real you have something <laughs> in your pocket. Uh, nope, I do not. <gasps> And here's another thing that might happen. Like if you are a couple and you've been together for a while, but you've not traveled together, you put yourselves in the pressure cooker of the race. And one party is like, I'm definitely going to propose. Like, I know this is it. And then maybe along the lines, you become that team and you are arguing the whole time. At what point do you have to tell production? Yeah. You know, 86, that proposal thing. I don't Mm -hmm. think I'm ready to do it.
0: That's very interesting. I mean, think oh, about that, that. Yeah, like, oh, well, I
2: don't... I mean, there certainly have been couples that have, like, broken up on the mat mm-hmm. throughout the Amazing Race history. Had any of those had marriages in the future, what if it's a marriage into a divorce? Yeah. You it's know, like, could oh, it be oh, like, uh, can you get, like, my divorce lawyer on the phone while we're at the pit stop here?
0: I kind of feel like that that happened during uh, Survivor Redemption Island, where I think that uh, when David Murphy uh, <laughs> went full Murphy and proposed to Carolina, oh, like, yeah. uh, Jeff probes like, uh, so, David, did you have anything else? Else? And he's like, uh, no, I don't think so. It's like, well, I think there was something else that you were supposed to, like, uh, it was almost like that. I wonder if he had to, that, by the way, that was a marriage prov- that did not get to the altar. I don't believe. Uh, I wonder if he was like, yeah, I'm actually uh, calling the audible here. Uh, but it was too late. Like the order had already been phoned in.
2: Ixne on the ingray please mm-hmm. uh probes but yeah i love this idea of phil being the chris the christian wig surprise lady snl character <laughs> like, oh my god it's gonna be a surprise <laughs> in the production
1: meeting <laughs> I, I, i've never heard of a role more perfect for phil <laughs> mm,
0: like raising eyebrows every time they show up at the mat anything well, else today gentlemen
2: I mean, and I wonder to that point because obviously he knew uh, Will and James said they would do it either at the finish line or when they got eliminated like do you think every time you know Phil's just checking like alright do you want to do it now just just, just so I'm aware just to make sure like is he, does he have a secret signal that he sends to Will every single time mm-hmm. <laughs> like how's your backpack Will mm-hmm. are you having a good backpack
1: <laughs> that's the like, code no, word I- Yeah, my backpack's not great today, Phil.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, let's let's cut to later in this video because at around three fifty six, Will and James reveal that their their placement on the season is not just you know uh, not just romantic. It is cosmic. Whoa, Uh, pretty. Is it a quantum co- entanglement? I mean, a pretty freaky coincidence happens to Will and James before this season, and they talk about it here
3: uh, in their interview with Phil post engagement can do anything you put your mind to i mean we've proved that to ourselves this entire race
4: oh my god every morning james looks at himself in the mirror you're gonna win <laughs> <laughs> is that really true yes we have a fortune cookie we, oh god like six months ago james got a fortune cookie and it said you're going to embark on a, on a great adventure and the, and lucky the middle number is 32. 32 no way yeah and we've had that on our mirror for six months yep. are you serious that's
3: real yep i meant to bring it and i forgot yeah. So six you months before, up,
2: those, James. yeah. No, yeah. listen. No fortune cookies. Hug and she would be like, "Get get rid of that thing." <laughs> uh, but yeah. So six months before the race, Will and James received a fortune that said, "You will go on a great adventure." And you know, on the back, they have sort of like the five lucky numbers. The middle number was thirty-two. Okay. So
1: go. I'm surprised production didn't ask them to pony that up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just yes. a static shot of the fortune. And you send us your fortune cookies?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, pretty good okay yeah so who would have thought that even like the you know the chinese restaurants had it in for will and james they were supporting them all the way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: (laughs) all right mike uh any other secret scenes one last one, because again, obviously Will and James are about to embark on a new portion of their life. Uh, so Hung and Chi show up to the mat. They were not around for the proposal. So there's actually a really interesting clip where Phil's like, hey, uh, guys, again, much like his Phil way, like, hey, do you want to tell them something that happened here on the mat? <laughs> something fun that may have happened led that's like to everyone crying?
0: Is and- Phil just sort of like the
2: nosy Thanksgiving aunt? <laughs> he really is the yenta right he's
0: being like oh <laughs> how are you you should have been here earlier there was a big news that happened you Did missed that, but it you had to run around looking for a baby didn't you <laughs>
2: <laughs> but hug and Chi uh stand outside there, and they are so proud of will and james just speaks to their relationship phil asks hung for advice with children and Hung has some very interesting advice when it comes to parenting.
0: I can't wait to hear this. Okay. If
4: so He yeah, wants to know this in about 52 seconds. This whole race. They would like to be parents like you. And what, what advice do you give them as they embark on building their own
1: family? have lots of kids. are so cool. <laughs> Lots and lots of them. Lots and lots of them.
0: Yeah. I, I think you have a number in mind, don't you? Two. But- 32. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. That's my middle number. number.
0: 32. <laughs>
2: I was like, okay, maybe you took my message a little too literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
1: what were the other numbers on that fortune? Maybe they want to go back and see what what those numbers might mean to them.
2: Mm. I think it's four, eight, fifteen, sixty,
3: twenty-three, thirty-two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's Will's answer.
3: In mind, don't you? Two, but I mean, he would love more if. Yes, yeah.
1: yes at least three. We've
3: got three. <laughs> yeah. Three's a good number. Three's a good number. You had to search for a little. All right,
2: so yeah, so so Hung is saying, "Listen, the more the merrier. Fill your household with children, and you'll be certain to succeed."
0: Yeah, you would think that she would have been like, uh, you know, honestly, if I never see another baby after today,
2: <laughs> I'll be fine. Yeah, just get, don't get them near any cakes, and you'll be all right.
0: Yeah, butt up. Well, that, was, that was what uh, <laughs> Hung said in our interview the the day. She said that the baby was uh, right there on the counter, butt up, looking at Chi.
1: Yeah, it exactly. Wasn't really looking though because its butt was up.
0: Yeah, the third eye,
2: <laughs> the brown eye maybe. Uh, yeah, so so we'll see. You know, if you go to the hung amount of children or beyond or less. But we wish Will and James the best of luck. Everyone was very you know hunky dory on the finish line hunky-dory. as we heard. it. Yeah, Hunchy exactly, which involves – that's when you uh, sit down and you hit, it, eat five
0: pounds of king cake uh, <laughs> to drown your sorrows out of losing the race. Okay. Uh, just do we have any social media from this big finale we –
1: you know, the social media was just kind of saturated with uh, Will and James retweeting congratulatory messages, mm-hmm. but we had a couple of pretty good ones. Um, and I want to start off with this one from D'Angelo Williams, who in classic D'Angelo fashion says, I've watched the season finale of Amazing Race CBS twice, and the challenges were subpar and very unentertaining at best. But I couldn't tell if I felt this way because I got eliminated or because it was actually trash.
0: Wow. I
2: kind of feel like
1: is D'Angelo Williams
2: the Randy Bailey of the Amazing Race? Oh my
1: god! He wants to be the villain. (gasps) Yeah, I wonder if I wonder who D'Angelo Williams is gonna bring to the reunion show.
2: (laughs) Like I can imagine if D'Angelo Williams got had a buff on the Amazing Race, he would have thrown it in the fire after getting eliminated, right?
0: Oh sure. I bought cookies for all of you (laughs) except
2: Except <laughs> Gary, <laughs> Gary, you had you didn't fit the weight limit for the Roblox. You don't need any more cookies, bro. <laughs>
1: wow! Now he would bring candy corn for everybody.
0: Candy corn for everyone.
1: Yep. Um, and speaking of sweet treats, I have a tweet here uh, from Leo. Actually, Leo was kind of the MVP of the. Um, of the Amazing Race social media this week, um, mm-hmm. he had a few things to say, and I'm, only, I'm not. It's not just because he pandered to us, but um, he says Alana would have eaten all the beignets because of my diabetes. And then mm-hmm. someone asks, "I wonder if there was a backup CBS Amazing Race challenge if you got there?" And he said, "Well, I didn't ask for an accommodation around eating challenges, knowing that either Alana could do it, or if I really had to, I could take insulin, which I had on hand." I imagine they would prov- have provided a backup if I truly had no choice. The issue isn't that it would be impossible for me to eat the beignets, but that it would incur the risk of me taking the wrong amount of insulin, which would potentially impact the rest of our leg. It's a gray area. Mm. So... That's interesting because I think that may answer some of the questions we had of um, why don't we see a lot of gigantic amounts of food challenges on The Amazing Race anymore? And we have had several racers. I think the first ones, um, one of Nat and Cat in season right. 17 was diabetic and it did come up a few times. But there have been other racers since then for whom this has been something that they've that they've had to contend with, but it doesn't really come up on the show. So I wonder if that's something that the race has taken into account.
0: But I feel like that, uh, it's the kind of thing where it's like, um, where one of the partners can do the thing, but this was a sort of like a share thing that I like yeah. thought that this was sort of unique.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Are there other diet beignets that they could have eaten sugar-free?
1: Ooh, I, I think that's about the only thing. Like what would be on top of those? Salt. Oh god! Thank soda.
0: Salty yeah. beignets. Yeah. Just-
1: seeds, baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, just a bunch of sesame seeds. <laughs> Yikes!
1: Yikes. So also, um, also from Leo this week, he tweets directly at the three of us. He says, "Are my polls getting better, worse, or the same?"
0: Whoa! Uh, he replies to uh, his I own tweet. myself often.
1: Uh, yes, he, he answers the tweet himself. He says, "If more than 3 people vote, I'm going to be pissed. This poll is for a niche audience." Yeah. What was it? did he poll something previous
0: to that? Well, okay, before
2: how he had yeah, he had uh talked about like Will, will and James are accusing us of being okay. bullied.
0: Yes, he, yes. We've been says, now I'm hearing Will and James and the alliance accused uh of bullying. They were yeah. accused of bullying. Oh, they Let me do a poll to settle this matter permanently because this will definitely work. If the victims of bullying don't believe they were bullied were they actually bullied uh not bullied hmm i see now not bullied so so
2: yeah so i mean i would say to answer both questions independently I think his polling has gotten better. (laughs) I don't think this is a good poll. It's not a good poll. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, he retracted
1: the poll afterwards.
2: Yeah, because I think the answer to that is no. There are very much people who, you mentioned gaslighting before, people can be bullied and not realize it. However, I do agree that this is not bullying. Uh, I I know that there is a, a very fine line as to like, in the in the construction of a reality tv competition show what is what is or is not included in it there are several moments i could specifically point to like big brother 19 or moments in the challenge that i would call outright bullying right this was not it this thing this i
0: mean to ask a different way it's like can i be taken advantage of if i don't think that i'm being taken advantage of and i think that the answer is yes yeah absolutely so so um I do not think this was good use of polling. So I feel like the but I think that Leo was getting worse. I feel like we made progress and then we uh, went backwards.
2: Well, I think, I don't know. I think maybe this is not indicative yeah, of it, the it, general it. polling mm-hmm. consensus. Maybe it's like one step back, but like five steps forward. <laughs> I do think the polls have gotten better since the days of yore.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also, and I want to point out that, um,
0: I don't think Will and James were bullies.
1: At least. A hundred...
0: Agreed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, and I want to point out that at least 126 people who were not us responded to the poll that was just for us
0: mm-hmm. maybe we just have a lot of burn off our poll
1: yeah I mean maybe pineapple boy 27 voted in this poll mm-hmm.
0: yeah so I think like th- th- this should have been separate issues yep
1: Can okay and then
0: if you do not know you're being bullied if you don't not think you're being bullied and also were Will and James bullied so I think that the answer should be uh, you know yes and no
1: yeah I, I agree with that take. And then um, one more thought on the collaboration and alliancing um, from Leo. He says, we've all heard that Amazing Race teams helping each other is nothing new. I will add, if you've ever succeeded at something and thought, I did it, I guarantee you, you got and gave help along the way. Amazing Race is like life. Succeeding entirely on your own is a fairy tale and myth.
2: Hmm. Wow. The demotivational speaking of Leo Folsom, everybody. Everything He's not you wrong. Did, everything you've done, you did not do on your own. Mm-hmm. You had help.
1: Nobody does it on their own. It takes a village. Hmm. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, it's, it's like it's not exactly demotivational. I'm speaking. I'm being a bit tongue in cheek here in that it's, it's more so like realistic. I think Leo makes a very salient point, but it is a little bit like, man, I thought I could do things by myself. But no, I always have to have tea backing me up, even if I don't realize it.
0: I mean, I put a trampoline together one time. But did you, Rob? Yeah. I mean, nobody else was there. Are I mean, you sure someone the, wasn't there helping you?
1: Someone at the trampoline factory started that process for you and wrote the instructions, Rob. Uh, I guess so.
2: And Isaac Newton Not very good he put the idea of the concept of gravity so that a trampoline could exist in the first place.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And someone planted that apple tree so that an apple could fall on Isaac Kazakhstan. Newton.
0: Kazakhstan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah Mabel, do you think
2: do you think the uh, gravity was invented in Kazakhstan as well? Mm-hmm could be and then of course george nissen in, in the 1930s invented the trampoline as a teenage gymnast so that you could build it today rob so you're really standing on his back and promptly jumping up and yeah, down I on so
0: it.
2: that was some fast
1: googling mike mm-hmm. did like, you do
2: that all on your own it looks like a uh it doesn't look like fun to be at parties with george nissen
1: <laughs> okay well that's a different podcast for a different time um, so then we have, we're, we're going to go back to D'Angelo, uh, because out of nowhere, he tweets, ha ha ha, Chi is such a nice guy. That's all the positive I can say about that team. And then Hung comes back at him and says, ha ha ha, at Gary Barnage is such a nice guy. That's all the positive I can say about that team. Oh. <laughs> now was
0: the D'Angelo comment, was that sort of like a, uh, backhanded compliment?
1: I mean, Maybe. I, I'm trying to see I'm trying to decide what he could actually be saying there. Mm.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Because well, there's actually in a secrets team from last week, uh Hung did not mince words talking about D'Angelo. She always felt that D'Angelo underestimated her from the very beginning because yeah. of her height. So she clearly has like an axe to grind with him. And maybe he saw that and in turn did this to the troll effect that Will and James were talking about. But she was, you know, she had something in the barrel ready to go in an immediate response. Yeah. It, was, it was
1: pretty it was pretty snappy and I will say Like maybe D'Angelo as the second shortest person in the final four, like maybe he was just like, he felt like he wanted to take claim to number one.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Yep. And then I'm going to close things out. Uh, We're going to come back to Leo one more time because I, I think this is a good talking point for us and a good note to end on. Um, So Leo says most iconic moment of hashtag tar 32. I will start with at Haley Williams and at Kalen 410 bursting into the French circus after a long day in first gear. Full hearts. That was the moment that we realized they were no longer in last. Unbelievable comeback. I love that high drama.
2: I'm so glad you brought that up. Because this segues into the one last game I have prepared.
1: Oh, good! wow. I didn't even plan that. That's wonderful. So, I didn't do that all on my own.
2: Yeah. So here we are uh, because Leo was not the only amazing racer to pontificate on the season at large. And I figured we should do that as well, considering this is the final tarpit of the season. A video came out on the amazing race YouTube channel where racers gave their favorite moments of the season. And it's up to the two of you to guess which moments oh, this they like, a like big brother final three challenge and that's exactly how we're formatting it oh, rob boy. here's how it works i'm going to give you a racer and i'm going to give you two possible moments mm-hmm. that they said were their favorite and you're going to answer this independently but together so we're not going to go back and forth here you're going to write down your answer either a or b and we'll see if you're right and so after i believe it's it's nine questions whoever has the most correct Becomes the winner of the final game here in the Tar Pit for this season. Okay,
1: let me go get some paper. Be right
3: back.
1: But yes,
2: yeah, so this was this was an interesting video. I, I encourage people to check it out. Actually, it's very cute. Everyone's from home, sort of like sending in their own little memories. And to be honest, uh, even just talking with Will and James, Rob, I'm, I'm sure you share the the same you know uh, the same idea that like I can't remember what I did two years ago mm-hmm. personally if it was on a reality show so the amount of memory with which these contestants have it is is just stunning
0: yeah you could play me clips from Rob's podcast i i never said that yeah exactly and
2: i'm i'm so i'm surprised we didn't get more of that over the course of like yeah i don't remember doing that especially when they were like in like intense heat in brazil for example of like i'm pretty sure i had heat stroke then Mm,
0: yeah okay (laughs)
2: All right, so I'm going to read. I'll give you a person. I'm going to give you two possible choices for favorite moment. Let's see if you get it here. You're on the scales of just us right now. Okay. Here we go. Let's start with the guys we just talked to, actually. Let's start with Will of Will and James. Was Will's favorite moment of the season visiting Paraguay or visiting Kazakhstan?
1: Okay, I got it.
2: All right. Jess, what would
1: you say? I said A.
2: Rob? Hey. All right. Well, maybe Will does not remember saying this in his own video because he actually said he liked visiting Kazakhstan more.
0: He huh. said that that was the worst part of the trip. He <laughs> just I said that know. 10 minutes ago. Do <laughs> we have
2: to get him back on the line and clarify with them?
1: Yeah, now they're busy. They're at their reun- reunion, so we can't call them. Oh, so, so convenient that they yeah. left us when they knew this was coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All
2: right but let's let's move over to james here hopefully less of a controversial answer because i do not believe he talked about either one of these things previously in our conversation with them was james favorite moment of the amazing race staying in the camper camper van hostel in berlin or talking with the socialites on the carriage ride in india
1: okay i got this one
2: all right jess what'd you say i said a Rob says A. A is correct. You got the other one of Will and James right. Yes, James loved the camper van hostel in Berlin. He basically loved any time the teams got to interact with each other instead of staring longingly out the window at the Eiffel Tower. I'm
1: pretty sure he tweeted about this too, so.
2: Alright, let's
0: go
2: go to Kalen and Haley here. Speaking of Leo's tweet, was their favorite moment of the race finishing in third and using a U-turn in Brazil or overcoming a speed bump in Kazakhstan. Okay, I'm ready. All right, Jess, what'd you say?
1: Today Jess, again.
2: Jess says A. Rob says A. You are both incorrect. Oh, uh, their we favorite, their this. Our favorite moment is when on they on were... the stupid beard. Yeah, when they had the beard and they overcame the speed they bump. They said they hated the beard. It was itchy. <laughs> well, I think two years makes you a different person, Rob, in many ways.
0: Boy, talk about, like, uh, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. Yeah, the people in the <laughs> real time are just talking about, like, oh, this part stunk. This is yeah, the reverse of that. They, they yeah, everybody's saying it was
1: so hard. Kazakhstan was the hardest part. We were miserable the whole the time. Things that stunk. Nope. Turns out they were my favorite.
2: It's a labor of love, to quote another show uh, that premiered in 2020, much like Game On. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to Levan. Of Kelly and Levon was Levon's favorite part of the Amazing Race, finally getting to talk to everyone in the LA airport, or out racing a goat at the pit stop in Trinidad and
1: Tobago. I know what my favorite was.
2: All right, Jess says B. Rob says A. Rob is correct. Uh, they they did indeed running into Wolfgang Puck and talking with all the teams was Levon's favorite moment of the race.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Let's move on, on to. Something. Hello, early boots, Nathan and Cody. Did they say their favorite moment was beating an Olympic athlete or the street, the street party in Trinidad? Just says B. Rob says B. Uh, Rob, you're going to get the answer to that question very soon because the correct answer is a Uh, they said that they got to beat the Olympic athletes at tic-tac-toe. And so that's their favorite
0: moment. The, so their moment was something that wasn't even on the show. When did they play tic tac toe? How would we know this? Nobody mentioned this. We talked was, to was, both of them. You lost. You lost Olympic athletes. You came. <laughs> and you beat nobody on the race.
1: This is not fair. The best
0: moment of the race was that uh, you know I, that something. I, I had peanuts on the airplane. <laughs> Well, luckily, James helped you get those peanuts, Rob. (laughs) Okay,
2: let's move on to hopefully less of a saltier subject than the peanuts and the question. Let's move on to Chi. Never a a controversial person. Nicest guy I know, Chi. Was Chi's favorite moment of The Amazing Race watching the kids play in the orchestra in Paraguay or getting first place on the first leg?
1: I think Chi would say I liked all of the moments equally.
2: Yeah. Uh, so y- you both said, A, watching the kids play in Paraguay. You are incorrect. Uh, the correct answer is first? finishing first in the first leg. Okay. Uh, well listen, this competition is usually a crapshoot anyway, so I think yeah. you are actually about par for the course. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I could I feel like I could have like a chicken choosing different piles of food here and they'd do better than I am on she this. George. Damn. It it takes, it takes work to be this bad at this.
2: All right, let's move on to Queens, Michelle, and Victoria. Was their favorite moment on The Amazing Race the dance party they had on the Amazon River at the pit stop in Brazil or when they passed all the teams to come in second in Paraguay? Just says B. Rob says A. Rob is correct once again. Uh, yeah, th- uh, quite a number of people talked about this where I guess everyone just had like a big Kalu Kale during that riverboat ride in the Amazon. Like people were partying it up and just having a rip-roaring good time.
0: Yeah, That's where do you do it?
2: I suppose so. With the piranhas below, like it just mm-hmm. really I don't know, gets your blood going in many yeah. ways. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the aforementioned Leo and Alana. Was their favorite moment in The Amazing Race A. Overcoming a U-turn in Brazil or B. Coming in third place in Paraguay? Jess says A. Rob says A. Uh, Leo and Alana uh, shoot low. The correct answer is B. They liked coming in third place in Paraguay. Mm. Alright. Last question here. The Volley Bros themselves, Riley and Madison, they finished it last in the leg, so they should finish last in here. Was their favorite member of the race coming in first on the mega leg in India or the aforementioned watermelon challenge in Paraguay? Jess says A. Rob says B. One of you will finish out with the correct answer here, and that person is Rob.
0: Uh, The Volley Bros love the watermelon. It's always always the one that doesn't make any sense. That's the game. The one that was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely it. That's obviously it. No, Uh, it's the opposite of that.
2: yeah.
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was, I think, at a certain point, I was just sort of trying to get them all wrong because I wanted to see if it was possible. Mm-hmm. Ah, New
0: York Jets strategy, I see. Yeah. Uh, no, Mike, that's not what they do.
1: <laughs>
0: they don't do what's best for them. <laughs> They're a bunch of morons. <laughs> I wonder if they'd they be living my life today <laughs> yeah. Well Rob, like Will and James, the- what was the best moment of the race? uh winning the amazing race or uh, getting a, a panini at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, can, Rob, despite
2: uh, you having a loss today, you have a win here in this game. Uh, I have too many wins today. <laughs> but i think you know we all won and that we got to pontificate over this season so i guess to go back to jess's question before my brief dalliance into gamifying it all do we have any highlights from this season of the amazing race
1: um i think we got a lot of mileage out of the hung scream i feel like that was one of oh, my yeah, sure. highlights um i think the wolfgang puck secret scene was another highlight of mine mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we have a a lot of highlights, you know, specifically on uh, this show, uh, getting together every weekend and uh, really getting to laugh. uh, You know, I think that almost from every single episode that we did of the Tar Pits this season, there was something that was so stupid uh, that really just uh, killed me. And I I hope people enjoyed uh, the Tar Pit as much as we did.
2: Yeah, I think to, to Will's point before, I think we did a nice deep dive into the CBS store. Uh, oh which, yeah,
4: that was great too. And
2: also speaking of you know, what we talked about last week, you know the, the branding contest happened between the three accounts and it did not stop them from like tr- making tweets that compared all three of their shows in one that as someone who watches all three shows, it is the most delightful square peg in a round hole I have seen from a marketing perspective but it made me enjoy it immensely.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's more fun when you think that um, perhaps the same person is managing all three social media accounts mm-hmm. that just it. adds adds an extra layer mm-hmm. yeah
2: let me, let me see if i can find one because again they like uh they put them all in in one thing uh, like for example here uh the big brother account tweeted on december 16th uh amazing race cbs and survivor cbs are known for their action-filled comps just like hashtag big brother which one is on your bucket list a test your memory in bb comics b heat things up in a fire making challenge on hashtag survivor c scale a wall on hashtag the amazing race
0: what does this mean what am i comparing here
2: I have they even When's seen these list? other shows what's they on they my bucket, bucket list
0: to do yeah i mean none of these things do-
2: I do think if if you're a fan of these shows, especially with, like, BB Comics, we hear all the time, right? Like, oh, I just want to make it to BB Comics, you know? Maybe maybe there are things on various contestants' bucket lists.
1: I think there's got to be that for Amazing Race. I don't think it's climbing a wall, though. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Uh, hashtag Survivor isn't the only show that heats up the game with advantages. Just like Idols, Yields on At Amazing Race CBS and The Power of Veto on At CBS Big Brother give players a leg up on their competition, but only if they are used right, dot, dot, that, or at all, hundred emoji.
0: Yeah, okay. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> True that. I mean, I mean, this, yeah, that I mean this really...
2: This really is like going into the fruit section and like picking up all different things and being like, all right, this apple is in the same shape as the pear, I
0: guess. All these things are food that are grown in the earth that I will ingest in my body.
1: It's more like all these things I found at the supermarket are things that I can eat, mm-hmm. except for this package of paper napkins. One hundred. One hundred.
2: Uh, and there was even separate from that uh, Amazing Race had tweeted you know teamwork makes the dream work is one of our Amazing Race mottos yeah. from flight time and big easy to team fun and you chill and Joyce, name a better dynamic duo will wait so Amazing Race really staying on the vein of 2017 Twitter by making that reference <laughs> uh, Survivor quote tweets them and just says at Amazing Race CBS dot 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 we'll just drop this here laugh crying emoji and it's a composite photo of um, Robin Amber's two seasons on the Amazing Race <laughs>
1: At what point in the amazing race are these stills taken? Are they taken at the point where um, they got eliminated in leg three? Well, no, there's there's one of the
2: two of them smiling, and then I'll send this to you both. There's actually one of Boston Rob rubbing his hands together like he's Guy Fieri about to dig into some sumptuous A barbecue. Wolfgang Puck? Yeah. No, not yeah. Wolfgang Puck. Yeah, Wolfgang Puck about ready to upcharge his $40 spaghetti.
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. You got served, Amazing Race Twitter. Mm,
1: yeah. I, I mean, it is, it's odd now. Mm-hmm. I do find it interesting
2: that the three teams they chose were like Flight Time and Big Easy, Team Fun, and Euchenna and Joyce. That's just such an odd matter, considering that uh, I do believe, actually, that Uchenna and Joyce are no longer
0: together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. an iconic duo, I guess. Yeah, I mean, f- uh,
0: Flight Time and Big Easy are, are not Amazing Race winners. Am I correct on that? They are not. Yeah, uh, and we'll all respect Team Fun. Neither, are, neither are they. Uh, I feel like uh, these. I mean, it just seems weird that Amazing Race is sort of like going out there with like top Like, here's Amazing Race, Mount Rushmore, Team Fun, <laughs> Euchenna and Joyce, and uh, Flight Time and Big
2: Easy. Oh, this Master mushroom is really going to have to be adjusted for height, considering that Big Easy is going to be like 60 feet above the rest of them on the stone face.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to find a mountain that's like just perfectly flat across the top, Mike. They're working with what they got.
0: Mm-hmm. That's honestly, honestly, like, does this meme work when you name three things and say <laughs> name a more iconic duo? Because you just named three. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true.
1: Is that name a more iconic trio? Name a mm. more iconic sextet?
0: Whoa. I'll wait.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> here's three things yeah. name a more iconic thing yes it's
2: more so it's less so like here's a challenge it's more so like continue the list right like let me make a pa- let me get a pattern going and you just keep going with it yeah complete the set mm-hmm. yeah so. so so uh i mean this this uh i guess also, is the way that cbs is sending off their- the
0: dream work is that an amazing race motto jess no, I
2: don't know. We I've never CBS heard that on, Is it going to be in there now? Like a cheaper blanket.
1: blanket. Pro, pro. If
0: I, if I can't buy it on a blanket, is it a motto?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, that's more of a motto, I guess, than beg and borrow and barter and buy. <laughs> I guess um, so. But but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that I've heard that on Amazing Race since about two
0: thousand four. Mm. Yeah, And let's see. I'm not yeah, seeing any F I made a, made a song about it. But.
2: I am seeing uh, in our going back to our whole our uh, criminal minds podcast within an amazing race podcast. There's a criminal
0: mind socks that say baby
1: girl on it.
0: Oh yeah, baby that girl, feel, yeah baby girl. You yeah. that feels uh, curvy. Yeah, that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing.
1: Okay, Maybe I want to know. know.
2: Should we do that in the six weeks between this and Tough as Nails? Is do a do, a, do a uh, criminal mind
0: That's what. That's a catchphrase from uh, Criminal Minds. It has to do with, I believe, it was uh, Shamar Moore's character, uh, and he had, it was in a uh, quantum entanglement with one of the women that worked at the <laughs> Criminal Minds office, and said something uh, that he had something. Uh, uh, what's going on, baby girl? I think uh, that was his catchphrase. I don't know. I think only Bryce Isaiah can pull that off
1: yeah i kind
2: of should should someone get bryce those socks as a belated christmas gift
1: (laughs) well i I haven't shopped for him yet so maybe maybe you've done it for me Mm -hmm. yeah okay
0: all right uh great job here today on our finale of the tar pits uh lots of fun Uh, thanks again to will and james uh for joining us jess what's next for you
1: um what's next for me is i've got three more episodes of star trek discovery to wrap up with this other gentleman here mike bloom and then who knows big question mark because we thought we had stuff going on and we don't um i i i don't know what i'm doing next maybe i'm just gonna hang out at home and play the xylophone with my kid
0: (laughs) okay uh then uh mike what's next for you well,
2: I just can't wait for just doing a still a xylophone rendition of Deo uh, by the end of this. But I mean, we will, as I mentioned, just mentioned, we will be back in mid-February to cover Tough as Nails season two, if well, anything. Yeah. So, so we'll be back in, you know, a month and change to, to cover that, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, of course, just mentioned Star Trek. Josh Wiggler and I are going down the hatch. We're finishing up season three right now, which has just been an extreme amount of fun, not team fun, uh, dynamic duo. But I do think with Josh and I, teamwork makes the dream work. have a couple of other fun poacher Recaps projects coming in January as well that I'm really excited about. But over back on the reality TV side of things, uh, if you haven't read yet my interviews with not only Will and James, but Hung and Chi and my- Riley and Madison, and check that out at Parade.com. But I'm very excited because this was now officially, officially announced. Survivor South Africa is coming back for season eight on June third the season is in the can they filmed it inland they filmed it healthily they filmed it safely and Shannon Gus and myself are going to have a special announcement slash survivor South Africa catch up podcast we're going to bring on our good friend Laru Bota who is the showrunner and EP oh, Wow of I love that. South Africa, as to how he was able to pull it off uh, what we might be looking forward to in June and also sort of setting up what Shannon and I are going to be doing in the meantime, and maybe some other special exclusives we might have about season eight coming up. So He's also, yeah.
0: have him give a call to uh, Jeff Propes and give him some tips
2: yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think if anyone wants to talk to him, it's, it's Nico. One time we have interviewed the host Nico Panaggio, and he told the story about like a hat that gets passed around all the survivor hosts. So he might be more in Jeff's a ear hat. than. than yeah, the. Yeah, there's a hat that apparently got like a passed from Jeff Probst to like Jonathan LaPaglia to Nico Panaggio. that not all the hosts wear, but like it's almost like the sisterhood of the traveling pants in a way.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. All right. So we'll follow this, the legend of the hat also. Uh, Mike and I are going to be back later on this week to talk about a brand Steele of the pop culture stars of 2020. Uh, with yeah, yeah. L.
2: I sent out a tweet before we recorded as to what should be included, and I have gotten, I believe, uh, upwards of 150 responses so far. So oh I, have, I have a lot to mill through right now, but I, I think we'll be able to find some fun out of 2020 somehow.
0: Yeah, uh, we also got together on Friday with uh, Leona Boris to do Outwit Out Playout list of these uh, most memorable voting confessionals of all time, uh, which was very fun. Or as we like to call it, uh, here's 20 voting confessionals. Name one more iconic. We'll wait. <laughs> so that's the new working title of that series and, yeah and, we're gonna have to abbreviate it a smidge but i think it, i think it could work yeah uh, we got back together with liana over the weekend uh, uh akiva and myself we watched the star wars holiday special and uh i loved it so much it was so much fun check it out on the latest episode of robin akiva need a podcast and i'll be we out.
2: are this City Sprint, I believe, Rob.
0: Yes. Uh, so check that out. I'll be back with Puya Zambikili for 90 Day Fiance on Monday on com. Thank you so much for uh, checking us out all season long. We appreciate you uh, joining us for all things Amazing Race. Uh, take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, for free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels with Narco, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, anything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in and watch free.